and good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hail, hail, a different gang's all here. I am Glenn. Zach Goodman's in for Griffin. Zach, can you bring the gain down on your mic? I will absolutely do that. Yeah, or we'll find out that there's something else going on, but there's definitely a lot. There's some loud audio going on over here. something going on there that we've got to get figured out at some point. Let's see if it's Stan. Let's see if we can blame him. It could be. Testing, one, two, three. Bring it down a little bit. Testing, one, two, three. I don't don't know exactly what that is. You know, they're they're all at normal levels, so. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. I don't hear it. All right, well, that's good news. Well, <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe. And again, I, there's not much that I do here. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Stan the Fan Charles is here, as he is every Friday. Zach Goodman from the Bad Around is in for Griffin this morning. You, you know, Does you that really mean I'm here every Friday the rest of my life? The rest of your life. The okay. re- no matter. And by the way, maybe after. Oh. Maybe we do the weekend at Bernie's bit, and we'll see how that goes. Man, I don't know what that is, but it's very uh, distracting to me. I'm not sure either. And that's I, new. It doesn't sound like it's like raining in the background to you, Stan. Do you, know, do you hear that at all? No. I changed yeah. the levels over here and nothing changes. Still well, sounds the not, same. That's so. not great. We will have to uh, look at Well, I, I, I sent a text out and my dad said he cannot hear it. So all right, there's well then, that. Then good news. I'll do my best to ignore it. Then. Okay. I will do my best to pretend like cool. it's not happening. Uh, we got a busy day here on a Friday edition of the program coming up a little bit later on this hour. Tom Crean is going to join us, who we found out earlier in the week is at least partially. He, he's, the, he's the man. I, I guess he's the reason why Todd <laughs> Munkin is here, as it turns out. Now, I, it's either Tom or his wife, Joni. Right. Of course, the former Joni Harbaugh, who is John Harbaugh's sister. Of course, Todd, Tom Crean is John Harbaugh's brother-in-law. And Tom Crean was the basketball coach at Georgia, of course, before that at Indiana and at Marquette. Um, and Tom Crean, apparently, and Joni recommended to John Harbaugh that he talked to Todd Munkin and said, hey, I, I, this is the guy. Like, this is who you should be hiring and is at least partially responsible for why the Ravens have a new offensive coordinator. So we'll talk to Tom Crean about that. Obviously, we'll get some uh, college basketball in with him as well. Speaking of college hoops, Maryland Northwestern coming up on Sunday. Big game in College Park. Coach Bruce Weber, uh, former head coach at Illinois and Kansas State, now an analyst for Big Ten Network, will join us. And this morning we will preview Stevenson lacrosse. Coach Paul Cantabene will join us as well before their home opener tomorrow night. That's all on the way. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out Toyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan, you and I have not chatted since John Angelos met with the media in Sarasota on Sunday. That is correct. A lot of interesting stuff that came out of that particular conversation. A lot of stuff that Orioles fans were eh about. A lot of, it was kind of all over the place. Two things that stood out to me this week that I've been waiting and wanted to chat with you about the first time I you read, and I got I together. read your column. That, so. The big takeaway for me was the declaration of the next Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. And in particular, and I know that it wasn't just me that wrote about this. I know um, I think Andy Koska from the Baltimore Sun wrote about it. We've kind or sorry, from the Baltimore Banner now, Andy Koska. We've, by the way, are we now that the sun sign is coming down at the ballpark? Are we getting the big press box logo up there? We're is working that, on we're it. Working we're on working on that. On All right, it. we got to figure out what it takes to get that deal done. Um, <laughs> got to make sure I can get my parking ah, first. Ah, you're gonna prioritize <laughs> that over the giant. <laughs> um, so, it's in. Uh, boy, I've been talking about it with a bunch of different people this week. This idea of being the next Tampa, and only interesting because it 
feels different than a declaration of the next Houston, which is what we've kind of always treated the Orioles rebuild as. They literally went and got Mike Elias and Sig Meidel to run it. We have judged everything by Houston. We talked to Ben Ryder about Astro Ball, and you know, we were trying to figure out everything we could learn about the Houston path. And now it comes this declaration that, no, we're trying to be the next Tampa. I'd be disappointed if we weren't the next Tampa. Which, but his, but his very next thing he said was that 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 we will have the ability to probably double Tampa's. He, he sal- said we, we uh, could. We, we, yeah, could we could do that. Right. right. There, so you know, there's a certain point that, and, and certainly I'm not turning this whole argument on its head. There's a certain point, and I think it will start really this year, that the fans have to play a part of this. You can't you can't sustain budgets in the 150, 180, 200 if your fans aren't showing up at the games. So and, and they've got a real problem when they give away an Hawaiian shirt or a, um, a garden gnome or something like that on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday. They're doing fine, but they average about 8,000 fans a game or 9,000 fans a game Monday through Thursday, and you play. You play over 20, you play home 13 weeks of the 26 weeks. So you play 52 of your 81 games are Monday through Thursday. They've got to do better than that. They've got to start to be back at the 2 million fan level or 2.3, 2.4. And then I think it's going to be easier for John to allocate budgetary increases of the level that fans want. So let's do let's do this twofold, yeah. right? The first question would be is it's a chicken and the egg question, right? Eternally. Is it the fans' obligation to go there to get the money to be spent or is it the team's obligation to spend the money in order to get the fans to be invested to get to oh, the ballpark? That's a great question and it is the chicken or the egg thing. I I just think that Baltimore when their teams fall off, they really f- can fall off the cl- the cliff. You know, so I, I I think it's a moot point there, there was because a way I think they J- Jerry think, Eisenberg described this once, yeah. right? Like it's the it's the it's the don't you know uh, piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Like there's right. something about uh, we are very pragmatic as a fan base. We are not we are less romantic. Jerry Eisenberg, I wish I could come up with a quote. He was writing about the Preakness once and he was comparing it the way in Louisville, the Kentucky Derby is a fairy tale. In Baltimore, it's a horse race, right? right. Like we are just a practical group of people like you we're we're not going to be romantic about something that we don't feel is worthy of being romantic about um and to your point when the team goes through a losing stretch we're not just going to show up because well go support the team the team needs you and again the complicating factors in this is when dan duquette had the orioles and i won't say turned around when he had them relevant in 2014 we drew 2.4 million fans which was a, st- a real starting point. I don't think we'll ever draw 3 million fans again in a season, but it would really be so different if you drew 2.75 and you could kind of count on that from a budgetary standpoint. And right now, the Orioles are battling back from, A, the pandemic, which I think we got through the pandemic, uh, but they're also battling back the reasons that John's larger points that he's making about the the stadium lease of wanting to he wants to do he has a bigger vision 
of the role the Orioles can play of course. In, in what our city is going to be like. And um, I think that's all part of it, you know. But I didn't get bogged down with the Tampa thing. I, I understood where you were coming from, <laughs> and I appreciate that. First of all, I wouldn't mind if we were relevant every year and, like and Tampa that's the, it's, Okay. What I wrote is I'm not making a blanket. To right. me, it's not a good or a bad right. thing. There right. are good elements to being Tampa, the right. obvious part being they've been in the playoffs eight times in 15 years, right? right? Like that's an obviously good thing. The concerning part, and part of this that I, I happen to have done six hours of radio and I was taking a bunch of calls about mm-hmm. it, um, part of it that I got back was – but you're announcing your frugality ahead of time. Like, when you say specifically that you want to be Tampa, as I pointed out, Tampa literally has not been out of the bottom third in payroll, no matter what they've done winning. They've never said, hey, we're close. This is going to be the year that we're going to go spend a little bit more to try to get over the hump. They have always said, we are going to be at the bottom in spending money, no matter what is going on with the ball club. Uh it's I part think, of what we do. I think taking John literally at that is a little like taking Mike Elias literally, and now the media has had to undress and, and, and show so much angst over his liftoff comment. I think John was talking about the relevance factor, not solely the budgetary factor. And I think his next statement when he right. said, we'll have the ability if we, if we draw fans – to go well, way over what Tampa does. And remember, Tampa still fighting. Yes, they have a disastrous have stadium a disastrous situation. Stadium there's, there's, there's a lot situation. of problems there. There's no question. My big takeaway, and I wrote a piece the other day, and Luke's going to probably get it up hopefully today. My big takeaway was that John stepped up at all to talk. Well, I mean, I think it was a good thing. And I said that. I appreciate yeah. him doing that. Yeah. I think that I, the more you but, can do that, the better. But if you followed John... John has not been comfortable in that role no, no. at all. And, uh, and there are things that he he clumsily says. Like there are things that are awkward. His he look, had a point. Look, let's let's get to the the ten thousand pound or sixty thousand pound elephant in the room. He was very clumsy in how he handled the Dan Connolly situation. He was that was clumsy. And the uh, pandemic comments that he made on Sunday were very. I understood what he was trying to say. I got it. And I right. tried explaining that to people on the radio. I knew what he was attempting to Which say. Which pandemic comment? During, uh, on Sunday. He, right. It was, I listened br- to the whole He brought minutes. up the fact that the Orioles would have been in a bad place had they been spending money. And I understand okay. what he means. Gotcha. If they had gotcha. been spending money. Yeah. But he used, and I can't remember exactly what the phrase is. He, said it, he says we were the, very lucky, sort of, that with we, the were, pandem- we had pared down. And then when you only isolate yeah. that phrase right. and that, no, was, that uh, gets parsed on twitter people yeah. say what you're saying the pandemic was i compared it to when you will remember this uh the second obama election the night that of the election chris matthews went on nbc and said thank god we had that storm and it was just so right. insanely Sen- insensitive i mean sort of yeah. mind-numbing how yeah. stupid it was yeah. Yeah. for him to say i know the point because he was rooting for obama like i understood yeah. the point that he was trying to make which was this hurricane came through New Jersey. Barack Obama went out and he looked presidential, and right. you know he he crossed the aisle and hugged Chris Christie, and everybody right. remembered that he looked like a president. And because that was my guy, and I wanted him to win, it it I, was good I for get me. The comparison but now. Okay, it was a, yep. you can't say that. You can't say thank God we had that storm that caused right. this much damage. And his comments about the pandemic were clumsy. There was a point there. I understood the. I really did. I got the point. 
if the Orioles had gone all in for 2020, right. it would have been disastrous. They would have had no ability to make money. They would have spent all of it. Like, it would have been a mess had 2020 been the year that they would have, all, they would have gone in for. Right. Because their payroll was so low, it didn't hurt them nearly as much that revenue streams were taken away in 2020. Right. That point was relevant. It was just spoken. It was not worded in the correct right. way in order for it to come across. Go ahead, Zach. To, to me, it's, it's not a problem that he's saying, you know, we're not going to be like Houston uh, and we're meeting the Orioles. We're not going to be like Houston. But I also think By the it's, way, it's, it's also it's been pointed out to me. It's not like Houston goes out and spends crazy on free agents. Oh, no, no. Now, it, they, the, the difference in Houston is they have more regularly, not all of them, but they've kept their own guys. During, during the rebuild, the biggest contract they gave out was a four-year, $50 right. million dollar deal to Josh Reddick. Right. And that was not a significant deal. And the Orioles haven't given out anything close to that yet. But the point is here is that I, I don't like putting labels on anything. Why, you know... What Glenn just said, why have that preconceived notion that we're going to be this or we're going to be that? Why not just let it flow? And if a guy fits, a guy fits. You don't have to say, hey, we're going to go into this offseason and spend you know, $25 million. Let it see if it fits. If a guy fits, then go over your budget. But if well, a guy I mean, doesn't the fan, fit, then the you'll fan have base to. wants you to say that. And that's it, the difficult it, part, right? It would have been a lot easier if he had just said, we're not going to be the Mets or Dodgers or Yankees. Leave it at that. Because I, I, I think most right. Orioles fans, I agree with you. it's easier to say we're not going to be than we are. Right. Most Orioles fans have accepted that part of it. I don't think there's a, a, a practical Orioles fan that is going to believe that the Orioles' payroll will ever rise to the level of the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, or right. at this he point, the Padres. He referenced that one brief moment, that, uh, and I'm not sure if he referenced it this past Sunday or sometime earlier, he referenced the fact for one brief moment we had the number one payroll right, in baseball. Right, did, yes, that, that was, was when the Albert Bell Correct. signing. But I think Orioles fans have accepted it's not going to be that again. I right. think, again, the comparison to Tampa, your point, Stan, I don't think is irrelevant at all. I think it, there is something to be said for in the same way that Mike Elias was kind of flippant, that if you take this too literally, there can be a problem. But I think in baseball circles, there is a belief that owners want to be the Tampa Bay Rays specifically because they want to be the team that can prove we can win despite spending very little money. It was right. something that I talked about. Um, David Sampson was on with us the other day, the former Marlins team president who's now very active in media. And he said, he was look, the Marlins, right? Right. Team and, president. and he said, this is something that base, everybody in baseball is talking about. We want to prove how much smarter we are than everybody by being the team that proves we can win by spending the least. Yeah. Right. And that would be the only problem to me about this is that purposefully saying we're always going to be frugal because we think we can do it. We think we can create with Mike Elias – a system that regularly has yeah. talent on the field, despite the fact that we're not spending money, that would be a problem to me at some that, point. That's when we get back to the chicken or the egg, and, yeah. I, and I do believe the fans will show up this year, and it will start to be a trend where they consistently know that we can be a two million fan, you know, two million plus fan base, yeah. and I think the other stuff will kind of take care of itself, because he did make the point. That while at the major league level he wasn't investing, he was investing in an awful lot of other right. things. The, the, the Dominican the Academy, yep. signing those players, yep. which was money the Orioles never spent. Also, staffing up their um, uh, analytics department with equipment. That equipment's not cheap either. Uh, but I, th I think, uh, I, again, my big takeaway was that he stepped up to talk. Because I've talked to him about this, and I've mentioned to him every time we had coffee or a late-night dinner and we're talking about things, 
I said, you need somebody. If it's not going to be you, and I understand you're not yeah, comfortable formal, with it, president, you need a, like a president of the team like right. Larry Lucchino was for Edward Bennett Williams or Eli Jacobs. The fans want to hear from you. I don't think – I know you've parceled out individual things. I think the vast majority were not not taken in by his argument with Dan Connolly, which Connolly ended up stirring up more with his most recent column. Uh, I think they were saying, hey, my owner's finally talking to me. And I think there's something I, positive that comes out of that because I, fans want to hear. I, I, I think there's an argument for that. It's not the sense that I got that that was the big yeah. takeaway. The, the sense that I got with the takeaways are more directly and – well, maybe maybe I, it was my takeaway because I know John. I consider John a friend, uh, and I'm not above criticizing him when I think he deserves it. But I think that my takeaway was I've watched him since he was a 24-year-old mm -hmm. sitting behind his no, dad, and they were the rotisserie players. Like Tom Crean helped helped sure, you sure. help the Ravens get Todd Munkin. Uh, we can thank Lou and John for Sid Fernandez. Because you know they were playing fantasy baseball, <laughs> they and they said, "Dad, you got to get, get this guy." guy. Yeah, okay, get that guy. Uh, they were twenty-four, and they were awkward when they did get up to talk. They didn't know how to refer to the dad. John, I thought, was comfortable in the environment. I thought he came across. I well, thought he came across very positive. The other two big takeaways. Stan the fan is in the studio with us. Zach Goodman's in for uh, Griffin here on Glenn Clark Radio on a Friday edition. To me, the other two big takeaways, and, and one of them I don't know what to make of, which is if, if the Orioles are going to be sold, I don't think that John Angelos is going to come out on Sunday and say, yes, we're trying to sell the team, right, right? right? So when he says we have no intention to sell, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. I, I have told you, you and I have talked about the last couple of weeks, his interest in this project and – you know, sort of combing that together with a few other things that I've heard recently has really suggested to me the opposite of they want to sell. Like, I have gotten the, the, the idea that John Angelos wants to run the ball club. Like, he wants to do this for a long time. Now, he referenced the idea maybe we could sell a piece of the team, and we've talked about that before. But he didn't reference that as much as it was asked of him. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and but he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't say. say and, and those questions are not going to stop. I mean, it, as long as he owns the team, they will be asking him. Well, about particularly that because, until well, with the father's right. with Peter's health right. the way it is. And by the way, I'm sure you saw that the family sold the tail of the fox. Yep. Yeah, uh, the, the, the fox shopping tail center, shopping center, which used to be the home of a very high end restaurant called tail of the fox i don't think which peter which peter owned and operated okay i had no idea i did not know that at all but i did see it was a 15 million dollar yep. sale of that shopping center yep. which by the way that number jumped off the page at me too i didn't realize that shopping centers were still worth 15 million dollars in 2023 that's the property where the the restaurant was, was had, yes peter had uh you know do i do i know peter i don't remember who actually ran the restaurant this is back in the 60s sure and 70s but it was a high-end restaurant that Peter owned. And he, of course, being a smart businessman, Peter was. He always owned the properties, you know. Well, I've, so, I have been in that strip mall because there's a Verizon, Verizon store, store there. I've been there tons of time. In that part of the county, that was the Verizon store that I would always go to whenever I had a phone issue. I, I, I say this to say, are, are you leaning more towards the idea that ultimately it is John's goal 
to be the one who runs the Orioles for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think that's his goal. The realities of what goes on, I just don't know the way the estate is set up sure. and how well armed they are, whether Peter really protected them in some ways, shape, or form from the estate taxes. I know during the Trump administration, the wealthy got some type of change in the estate taxes. I don't know its implication on the sale of, or on whether or not their tax implications are so heavy that they'd have to sell the team or not. Clearly, John wants one of two things to happen. He either wants to hold on to it for a long term, or B, he wants to go out on a term where he has set something in motion with this deal with the stadium lease and the place 365 concept of having reasons to go down to this part of town. Uh, You know, I mean, we have a real problem in town uh, and I've talked to some people um, that have already, with the squeegee kids being ruled like sort of they've, they're they in smaller areas or confined to smaller areas, a lot of people say that they, a lot of white people that I talk to say that they're much more comfortable driving into the city now. So let me go to the next part of John Angelos's comments that yep. was interesting, which was not an announcement of a commitment, but certainly parsing through it enough to suggest that Brandon Hyde, this question that we have been asking and we talked about just last week with Ryan Ripken about what his future was going to be without us knowing because the Orioles are trying to keep it close to the vest. John Angelo says he's not, you know, we're all here for the long term. We're, we're vested. Nobody's contract is up in a year or two. Um, if that's the case, that's about as close to a long-term commitment as you can get for someone did you come out of what john angelo said thinking the orioles have decided that they are not you know evaluating any further and considering bringing in a joe madden like replacement that they are committed to brandon hyde being the guy i think if we're parsing parsing words about the tampa comparison i would say that mike uh, elias probably grimaced at those comments not about himself but that that uh, brandon is here long term i think brandon will most certainly be here for the next two year to year and a half Mm -hmm. i think if the team takes a little bit of an upward tick this year Mm -hmm. we're competitive uh he's liable to be in a much better situation going into 24 but if somehow the team i'm not saying a total tank but they go backwards by seven or eight games this year i don't know that he's going to be incredibly comfortable for the long haul I think these next this next season is vitally important I, for Brandon to, to keep things going. I, a manager's salary is not one of the one of the things they're going to worry about that they they have him for three years if they determine or Mike Elias determines we got to cut loose with right this halfway guy. through next year. Yeah. If, and by the way, in that scenario, if we're talking about him really, if this con if his contract has him, for example, under contract through twenty twenty five, right. But you get the midway through 2024. Four, and and you, got, you know, you're, you're talking about $3 million, you know, total. Like, he's probably making a million and a half. Right, now correct. So that's more what you're reading it to is, like, they're committed, but they're committed for now. Yeah, I think it sound, it, it almost sounds better to say that everybody here is a long-termer. Yes, it would be very awkward it if he say, said, well, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike's right, my he, long-termer. Right. You know, we're not so <laughs> yeah. sure, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's saying what he has to say. And I think he's done that 
ever, you know, really every time he's been up there talking, he said what he has to say to to make everyone happy, and it doesn't always make everyone happy every time. But you're not going to say, hey, you know, we're committed to Brandon Hyde for two years, but yes. we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll still reevaluate after right. that. Just makes and, it sim- right. seamless. Uh, oh no! If, and if I he, think if he said that, undoubtedly, it's every column that we write right. this year is. Well, the Orioles are evaluating Brandon Hyde, and I don't know about that decision to to, to pull. It takes that off the table. Correct. Which there, is there is sort no of an, an unnecessary conjecture yeah. anyway. You know, there is no doubt they're still evaluating Brandon Hyde. I mean, he he had. A I, I do think that I agree that we all believe that Mike Elias is definitely here for the long term. Yes. And yes. Brandon Hyde still has to earn that. Well, I think I think Mike Elias has frankly proved a lot more. I mean, Mike Elias has proved his ability to build a farm system, which is what he was frankly brought in to do. And now, obviously, there has to be that transition to a winning ball club. Right. But you've uh, seen so far those two be able to do that. I want to point out one thing. It's vastly different for an owner like John is now to say everybody here is a long-termer mm-hmm. when he's the owner. He yeah, knows course, he ain't right. going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I wouldn't read into it that Mike Elias has a five, six-year you know, sure. uh, contract. I think they're here, and as long as things are going well, yes. they're going to be here. Yes, you know. that's, I, and I think that's a fair thing to say, yeah. and that was sort of what I parsed from it was more yeah. – I, I don't think that it's an announcement that Brandon Hyde is going to be the manager for the foreseeable future. I do think that this is all still relevant to the point if – if they go have the season that many people are hoping that they will yeah. have this year, I, I do think it would go a long way to at some point make a an announcement of some sort that, hey, we are long-term committed to Brandon Hyde if you believe that he is the guy to lead you towards winning a World Series. But yeah. for now, to just say, hey, look, man, you know we're all doing this together. This is the group. You know who the leaders are. That's what this is going to be. I, my, I, I'm good with that. My big takeaway and advice would be for John to make that kind of and it doesn't have to be 37 minutes it can be 15 or 18 minutes but I think three times during the baseball season I agree. and once or twice during the off season mm-hmm. it's not too much to ask of your owner to spend 20 minutes with the media does it bother you that they're still not putting the spring training games on TV does that N- not really not really and believe me I would love for them all to be on. That's an expense that they're not not going to take in because they, you know, and and I get the the expense part of it, but I would wish that he would see that there's a part of branding the team and getting fans excited is having more than three games on. You know, I think I think if you yeah. did eight or nine games, nobody would be saying a word about it. You know, and you're you're just not doing it. But the expense of it is, you know, it's a great deal of money. I guess the problem with it is, and is the, that, and again, he made the point to explain that the games are on in the afternoon. Yeah. And no matter what our group thinks, there aren't going to be huge numbers watching yeah. those games. No, to play devil's advocate, though, you do have that mass and revitalization project that they did. Uh, they brought that, they brought up the app. They revitalized the graphics. They made everything look a lot newer and, and made it feel a lot better. And obviously, there's still everything going on in court with that. But Masson took a, a more modern turn in the past few years. Why not try to include more on Masson? Where, you know, Paul and I have talked about this, where there's no baseball shows outside of one or two uh, that they have every once in a while on Masson. What about some baseball programming where they have people being interviewed or Mike Elias or John Angelos or Gunnar Henderson, whoever it is? It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. 
Masson could use a little bit more programming as a whole. So, uh, romantically, or, or ideally, yes. Now, and, and Stan knows this from doing TV shows. I the lost, an- my t- I lost yeah. the TV yep. show I was part of when, when the pandemic came. I remember watching it. So, the yeah. the sure. answer that they would, you know, if they really could tell you the truth, the answer would be the ratings don't warrant the amount of money we have to spend on the union specifically. Like, in order to produce TV shows, you yeah. have to hire a union. Whereas you can do... And they do this. You can do web shows. You can do what we do here, and you don't have to pay union because it's not on television, right? Because Which is, I'm assuming, what the they web. what they do with Paul Mancano. I would, yeah, that's the, the whatever yeah. the all access right. or whatever yep. that is. They yep. can do it on the web because they don't have to pay union fees in order to produce it. Whereas if you do something for television, you have to pay union fees. It's the it's the reality of it. And I don't. I, it's not union busting. It's let me look at this and say, can I practically afford to do something? I. I to some extent, and to say I agree, I do think, to your point, Stan, just putting more on would go a long way. It would go a long way to pacifying a fan base. If there were eight or nine instead of right. three, to say, you, nobody would be saying boo. Right. There would this. always be someone who says there's no reason why all the right. games can't be there. <laughs> right. That person will always exist. Right. But the broader complaint about the Orioles in spring training would probably go away if you just put more on because, to yeah. your point, very few people will be able to watch all of the spring training games, even the most ardent fans. Right. But they could tape them. They could they, do that. Yeah, that they is could fair. Tape them but, and watch them at night. But very few. The argument that would be made was, I, I thought they did the right thing a couple years ago when they had Molesky traveling around and at right. least providing some broadcast right. of every right. game to make sure there was something. I do think that's something that you could do cheaply on the web, even with video. I know that because, you know, Mm -hmm. I do that at schools in the area, right? Like, you don't have to spend exorbitant TV dollars to at least provide some sort of broadcast to acknowledge, look, this is not a Masson broadcast that we're giving you, but we're going to provide you the ability to at least have a camera or two up, and if you want to flip onto Orioles.com during the course of a spring training game, you can do that. I, I understand that there's the, well, that's not, we don't want our brand to look like that. We don't want people to associate with us with something that's low rent. It is going back to the chicken and the egg. Right, like, which, come, sure. which are you more concerned with, the way it looks or the fact that it's there at all? It, yeah. it is, and, and there is no definitively correct answer right. to that. Yeah. But well, I, I think people viewed it in a more negative light, especially in the rebuild years, compared to when they were competitive because there are so many people that you're not going to be seeing on the Major League team who are going to be playing in these spring training games. You know, Jordan Westberg, Colton right. Kowser, they're probably a few months off at this point, and that's who people really want to see. That's why they would watch. That's specifically why I would watch. Right. I, look, man, I'm the wrong guy for the argument because I don't – I just – not, you're not going to get me juiced about spring training games. I will never – once upon a time when I was a younger man, when I wore a younger man's clothes, I, I would have been like – I would have been glued. Now, you know, I'm 40 and there's just – I got too much work to and do. you look foolish because you're still wearing a younger man's I am man's still clothes. wearing a younger man's clothes. <laughs> that is true. That is not – you're not wrong about that, Stan. Um, uh, but but I've got to – you know, if I've got time, I'm going to say I'd rather watch, you know – I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of The Sopranos right now. I'd just rather watch The Sopranos at the moment than I would watch a spring a f- training baseball game. A fascinating story that's brewing now in baseball is this Diamond, uh, the Diamond Baseball Group under oh, the, Sinclair's yes, uh, exactly baseball right. yep. division. Going that bankrupt. That they're going bankrupt. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting that the reason they're going bankrupt is because when, when Sinclair bought those properties from fox they inherited they did not they did not quite i talked to somebody a former executive in sinclair 
he said that you know one of the things that they were always known for was being up on the modern the most modern technology and they didn't get the fact that they weren't going to be able to stream those games much cheaper eventually and they inherited these TV rights deals that ironically are at the core of the Masson dispute mm -hmm. is that Peter said wait a minute Masson was never intended to be paying rights fees of 70 80 million dollars right. per year per kind team to avoid know? that yeah they're yes. all going bankrupt now and Peter's been you know uh, hit pillar to post with the fact that he was somehow cheap he the, the, just the economics of it well, Masson as we know it will pr is probably in its last year or two we have talked about this, you and I, yeah. about – and by the way, this has led to a lot of really fascinating think pieces this week. I mm -hmm. read one at the 538. There's a lot – I don't know if you know – so Major League Soccer, MLS, returns this weekend. Right. You will no longer be able to watch the D.C. United on NBC Sports Washington or on Channel 7 or wherever they were in Washington. Did not know that. They yeah. will only be available through Apple TV. Yep. That is the only way now to watch D.C. United. Now, I'm not – trying to compare yet Major okay. League Baseball to Major League Soccer, but file it away, they will still do national TV games. They still have deals with Fox gotcha. and ESPN, and so there will still each week be some but games. But the local fan base the that, local that fan base DC United will have fan. to watch the game on Apple TV. And how much is Apple a month? I don't – this I, – I, Or can you I even wanna, buy it by itself? I want to say $5. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, so, I know, I know what they do for Friday Night Baseball, which is something they've had uh, well, for free. I can watch free. Friday Night Baseball, right, without having right. an Apple TV subscription. I don't have one either, but I know you can watch that for free. So, I, I don't know if that's going to be the same I, situation. I've, I have an Apple TV subscription every year when Ted Lasso starts. And <laughs> right. when Ted Lasso right. ends, I cancel my Apple TV subscription until the next time Ted Lasso comes around. Apple, that was Glenn Clark that said <laughs> right. that, not well, I mean, Stan look, Charles. I pay for, I pay for it. I want to make that abundantly clear. They do get <laughs> right. money from me, right. but they've not put anything else on the platform that has said, I have to give them money. I have to keep HBO Max all year round because there's always something on HBO that I want to watch, right. right? They have not done that yet with me with Apple TV. They've had a few one-off things that were interesting to me, but mm -hmm. other than Ted Lasso, they have not created a series. I know everybody loved the morning show. People were all in on that. It's okay. It, it wasn't my thing maybe you see have you watched shrinking i haven't watched shrinking that might be the yeah, thing it's, that entertain could, it's entertaining but it's entertaining but you i know even when i cancel my apple tv <laughs> subscription <laughs> i can still watch like when the orioles were on right at on that friday night game the melanie newman game that they do on friday nights i was able to watch it i heard she's not going to be back on that broadcast she's i think doing stuff with mlb network yeah. now is i think that's right what yeah. uh, what's going on with yeah. melanie um I don't know exactly what the plan will be, but the think pieces that I'm seeing is okay, that are. we're that's the tr that's where this is going, is that baseball at some point says we've got to figure out a way to not just Masson, but yes, but Sportsnet L all yeah. of these the marquee network in Chicago, right? We take all of these things and create this this whatever this beast is. Yep. We still find ways to sell local ad revenue within those broadcasts. That's the imperative part, right? Because as we know, the best revenue has been the local TV revenue right. for baseball teams. It's why the Yankees have had such a dis – it's not – the stadiums don't hold more people in one city than the other. The stadiums are all about the same size. The disparities. How, how many do – do we have any numbers on how many MLB packages are sold? 
you know, where I'm you buy sure, MLB TV. I'm sure we do, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Well, I mean, so I, I think it's it's part of the whole conversation here. Uh, but, with, with you know, no, go ahead, Sam. No, but but then again, there's the problem with MLB TV. If I buy the MLB TV in Baltimore, I'm blacked out of Oriole. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Correct. Well, the, the, the whole uh, idea of streaming. Uh, apparently in 2020 was the last time we had numbers. Three and a half million subscribers for MLB TV. It doesn't just, seem like go, go ahead. an awful lot. Well, the whole idea of streaming, I think, and, and why sports have started to adopt it, and probably why MLS is looking for it, is that you bring in a lot of younger viewers, people who don't have cable, people who aren't right. uh, you know, watching NBC Sports Washington or Masson or whatever it is. Uh, but I think that baseball is going to have to make a much slower transition because they have a lot of older viewers compared to the MLS, where I, I've been to a lot of MLS games, and I can tell you oh, the yeah, clientele is nowhere no near question. as old as, as what it is in MLB games. So it would be a tougher transition for them to bring everything onto the streaming side and, and take cable out completely, but I would support but, it personally. But, but they have to do something here. they got to yeah, figure out what this – to Stan's point, this is extraordinarily significant, this – this company, you know, Bally Sports, the Diamond Sports yep. Group, going into bankruptcy. They've got to figure out what the next step is because, I mean, it's something like half of the teams in baseball who's – It's about – I think it's 14 teams. Yeah, yeah. whose regional direction. sports networks and are And by the up. way, those teams are not going to get the money that they thought they were getting from their TV rights. Now, how it gets parceled out or what MLB will do for reparations to the teams, but, you know – the, you know, when the Angels sign Mike Trout yes. and then they sign Josh Hamilton and then they sign Albert Pujols, I mean, they signed Pujols first. Anthony Rendon. But, and but they made all these signings. That money is significant to pay those correct. people. You know? Correct. It's the, and by the, it's the most significant yes. money. Yes. It's, it is. There's a little bit of national revenue. Right. There's, of course, your ticket sales. But the most significant revenue that you yep. have is that you are in the second largest market in the country and you are soaking up add revenue dollars from the second largest market in the country. And I want to repeat that that's what the learners saw after they they knowingly signed the deal with right. Peter Angelos that allowed Peter to set the, the, um, the TV rights. Every five years there was a reset provision in there, and it wasn't in Peter's best interest to get into astronomical rights fees deals. And, you know, again... Remember what, and John remind us this Sunday, the purpose of Masson was to benefit the Orioles, you know, economically, create some kind of economic engine that would provide them what they would lose by allowing another team in their market. And by the way, the Orioles never really got the chance to allow another team in their market. Right, they were just they told, weren't even yes, they, yes. They, they weren't even negotiated with right. until the Nationals existed which was really an idiotic way for Bud Selig to have handled that. No, you think Bud Selig did something idiotic. I refuse. I like Bud, I I like Bud but that was that. You, you don't do that. Refuse to believe it. Well, I mean, but he handled the steroid era so well oh, and yes, he handled he he also that All-Star game but thing he's in a nice gentleman. I, you know what? I've actually had some pleasant conversations yeah, with I Bud like Selig, Bud. but yeah, he uh, there were a few issues over the years. <laughs> Hey, the print issue of PressBox is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. That's Gunnar Henderson on the cover. Luke Jackson dove into the number one prospect in all of baseball for now, the favorite to win Rookie of the Year in the American League, and his meteoric rise to that point, someone who wasn't uh, a top-ten pick, wasn't thought of as being a surefire guy that has exploded into being considered that surefire guy this season. Where's Gunnar Henderson going to play this season, by the way? You know what position? Yeah. 
I think he will start out at third base, and I think they will sort of judge. First of all, Orius is going to have to play sometimes. So first thing I see is Henderson playing at least 25 or 30 games at short uh, to get a better offensive lineup in there when you have Urias at third and Mateo on the bench. But if Mateo is having a, an exciting and evocative season, I think that uh, got Gunner's, Gunner's got his big play bases base. now. Can't yeah. throw over. Yeah. You want Jorge Mateo on base. There's you no want doubt. him on base, but, but he's not good he's at not getting, getting on, base. on base. I do get no. that. I do understand that. Go pick up that print issue of Press Box right now. When we come back in, Tom Crean, brother-in-law of one John Harbaugh, and a man who apparently is at least somewhat responsible for the new Ravens offensive coordinator. We'll talk to him next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit and stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on 
your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR. It is not as bad in these headphones, Stan, but it's also you have your headphones at a lower level. Do you hear it in there? I'm you're hearing he- it a little bit. You're hearing it over there. there. Yeah, you're hearing it over there. I don't know what it is, but we uh, we will have to figure that out. They have to bring Mr. Colson in to try. He and is our out. engineer on top of everything else here at Pressbox. There's no doubt about that. Um, Stan, on your show this week, Monday night, uh, Monday night, Rick Dempsey. Uh, this coming Monday this night, coming Rick Dempsey. Monday this night, past Rick Monday night, you guys had Ben McDonald, of course. Ben McDonald. If everybody missed that, and great. last night Anthony Adams, the uh, very interesting new head coach of the UMBC Retrievers soccer been in the background for 26 yep. years with Pete Karinji, uh and he takes over this coming was season. his top lieutenant was yep. was and his thought in within the Baltimore soccer community Anthony Adams is a very important person yep. he is a very well respected man and so there was kind of no debate about who was going to be the guy there. right um, so that was last night if you missed either of those shows go to facebook.com slash pressbox sports click on the videos tab or go to youtube.com slash pressbox online pressboxonline.com slash video and then as you mentioned coming this monday rick dempsey thursday pete shinnick the Towson, new Towson, new Towson football, football coach. coach and the following thursday ed hale will join us oh, okay. of the baltimore blast uh, bummer for Towson basketball last night as they were up 10 in the second half on the road at college of charleston and then uh, it, the nick timberlake show was spectacular is over 30 points and then uh, charleston said well we're not going to let that happen anymore and unfortunately no one else stepped up and was able to get the job done. So Towson lost on the road at Charleston last night. I saw a terrific game the other night. Gary Stein told me it was going to be a great game. And midway through the second half, or about five, six minutes in. So UMass Lowell. U- UMass UMBC Lowell was game. up 24, but uh, UMBC cut it to three. Yeah. Uh, it was really an exciting game, and the fans were really – it's a nice turnout there. Uh, Gary tells me it wasn't as big as most other crowds, but they, like, had 22, 2,300 people nice there crowd. probably. Yeah. Nice crowd. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we had to do this a little bit earlier. And by we, I mean I. This isn't one of those ones like Mike Tirico where Tom Crean said he wouldn't talk to Stan the fan. It was just a scheduling issue that uh, didn't allow Stan to be a part of it. But had the opportunity to catch up with Tom Crean to talk about how he is responsible for the new Ravens offensive coordinator. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, I'm anxious to listen. Yeah, we will listen to it right now here on GCR. Well, it's a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by a man who has been a very successful coach throughout his basketball career, now working as an analyst with ESPN. And we didn't do the math. <laughs> we, it's silly of our on our part. We know his brother-in-law quite well, and we never even thought about the connection that he might have had with Todd Munkin earlier on this week. John Harbaugh told us all about it. Joining us now, the former head coach at Georgia, as well as Indiana, Marquette, etc. He is Tom Crean, and he is with us on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Sure, happy to do it. Great well, to be with you. It's great to hear from you. Um, can you just take me through your relationship with Todd Munkin and his family and how all that came about over the last couple of years? I know that you know when you're working at the same place, you run into people, but the way that John described it the other day, it sounded like you all were pretty close. Well, I, it all started uh, because of 
John's sister and my wife, Joni, uh, became good friends with Terry Munkin. They had something in common as both being new people to Georgia. We'd been there for a year. Uh, but they built up a friendship along with one of my coach's wives, uh, Kim McLean, and so they spent a lot of time together, and that's basically how I got to know Todd. I knew of Todd as a coach. I'd followed his career, but I didn't really get to know Todd uh, outside of sports until uh, got to know him on, a, on the level as a couple, and I think that was, was pretty cool because once you get around uh, Todd, you just see the passion, you see – the fire. I mean, you definitely can see it when you watch his his offense. Sure. But when you get around them, you just really see it. But it was really, you know, the other person that probably deserves an assist is Joni and, and John's dad, Jack, is a big fan of his and has spent a little time, obviously, with them playing against Jim the year um, and watching him this year. I think Jack was astounded by how good his offensive acumen was and what he was doing with the team so really it, it was just a matter of i couldn't tell john or nor really could Joni right. tell john all the intricacies of his offense but could tell him what kind of person he is uh what we saw i mean i still to this day i'm not sure i'll ever see maybe um uh a, a better um what, what he did it's hard to even describe it what he did with stetson bennett is absolutely incredible and to go from a guy that was a walk-on fourth-string quarterback to be a two-time national champion and be the leader of his offense, and obviously that says a lot about the, what Stetson's drive is, but it also says a lot about what Todd's ability to make him better. But well, I think the biggest thing about Todd is not only the fire and the passion and the uh, directness that he has, but it's the versatility, it's the flexibility of that offense, and he took great players, and he took good players, and in the case of a Stetson Bennett, he took basically an unknown player, Right. and he meshed all those guys into one of the great offenses in college football the last two years. Well, that's all we needed to know, Coach. No, I mean, <laughs> it all sounds great, man. It all sounds incredible. Yeah, you, knowing, um, John, the way that you do, the relationship that you guys have as family, did you, like when, when, when the wheels start turning, right, when, when maybe Joni mentions, hey, what do you think about Todd? Do you think at all about what that relationship would look like and, and why it might be a particularly good fit with him and with John? Sure, because our loyalty is to John. I mean, that's family. I mean, every, that's where our loyalty is, you know, whether it's John, whether it's Jim. And, and I think over a period of time uh, in conversations with John and especially with Joni, I mean, she would always brag about the Munkins. I mean, we've had other football friends. Willie Taggart is like a Harbaugh. Right. I mean, he's, right. he's as much a Harbaugh as anybody else because of the because of his background with Joni's dad and with Jim recruiting him and all those type of things and and so you know there's certain things that just outweigh it so you're never going to tell somebody in your family I mean I don't want to recommend people I don't know very well to strangers let alone tell somebody in my family something that I don't think is true so I think that the fact that uh, it was an easy for Joni and and probably then once I was asked it was easy for me to talk about what I saw uh, from that view, you know, and obviously we weren't there this year to see it. Um, but Joni, you know, still obviously keeps in touch with Terry and I uh, hit Todd here and there on different things. But I mean, all you got to do is watch it on the screen to see how it works. What I think it brings John is I think it just brings another dose of energy into that organization. Um, I think it brings, 
complete flexibility. He's got an understanding of all the different aspects of offense that you could possibly want to run. I think what he did a phenomenal job of at Georgia is not only taking that talent that he had, but building a system around that talent that brought the most out of the quarterback. You know, now you're walking into a situation with one of the most dynamic players in, in the NFL and certainly one of the best quarterbacks to go with a lot of really good skill players. I think it'll be like a, you know, a candy store in there when you look at the tight ends and you look at what they could potentially add in a draft or free agency with receivers and just building on it. And I think that's going to bring uh, an energy to the entire place and I think John's excited about that. He is Tom Crean. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio talking about someone he knows well, Todd Munkin, and obviously someone he knows even better in John Harbaugh and that marriage now here in Baltimore. Uh, Coach, could you know, obviously it's it's different sport to sport, but there's something that all coaches know. It's leadership. It's, you know, that role. Knowing what you know about Todd as a person, can can you tell me more about what – you know, he brings as a leader and as someone that is going to be working with these guys on a day-to-day basis. Well, first off, he's been a head coach. And when you've been a head coach, John and I have this discussion a lot, right? Like when you've been a head coach and now you're in a position, you, 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 it can go the wrong way, right? Like you can all of a sudden, when you go into a position where after you've been a head coach, you can come in and, well, you want to prove that your way works or maybe you're not as locked in. I, John's been very fortunate to have guys that have never been like that, right? And, and and at least not in the most recent future. He's had guys that were really locked into making the Ravens better. And I think that's exactly what you're going to have with Todd. He, uh, he's been a head coach, so he knows what that seat's like. He knows what those decisions are like. But he's also been a highly successful coordinator. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, John obviously knew who Todd was. This wasn't some quality control assistant back in the video room that no one had ever heard of him. He's one of the top offensive coordinators in the game, and he'd had NFL success. I mean, look what he did in Cleveland. He had success in Tampa. So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. I think what happened at Georgia is he was able to take an offense that was a certain way, which which was plenty good enough, but it wasn't extraordinary, and it wasn't record setting, and it wasn't national championship maybe level and that's what he put in there and i think because that system is so strong of the way he has flexibility i think that's what's going to serve him so well in the nfl i think he's he's a he's a he's a risk taker but it's not risk based on a wish list it's risk based on what he knows i think he is a decisive leader i think he's got he's he's i don't think there's going to be any issue with clarity, I don't think there's going to be any issue with this is what he wants. I don't think there's going to be any issue with energy. And I don't think there's going to be any issue with accountability. I think those are all things that stand out in his leadership to me. Do you have a sense, uh, Tom, just, you know, you're, obviously you're around John a lot and you see what's driving him this deep into his career, having already won a Super Bowl. But the ability to allow someone to to be that guy, to lead that group, right, to not meddle, to not get in the way, do you feel like it's important for someone like Todd that he knew he was coming somewhere where that wasn't going to be the case with his head coach? Well, well, the bottom line is this, and I didn't give Todd this advice, but I would give him this advice. I'd give anybody this advice working with John. You, you need to communicate with him. John is a communicator. John, John is not let me go sit in the office and let everybody do their job and I'll see the product on Sunday. John has conversations. John 
is a management by wandering around guy. John is going to, is going to go to different meetings and pop in. John is going to sit in the lunchroom or in training camp and he's going to sit with a diverse group of people. It could be his players. It could be the film guys. It could be analytics. It could be his coordinators. John, John is a hands-on, communicative, energetic. Um, there's very few surprises where John, where, where you're going to have a problem with John. Okay. Is if you don't want to communicate, and I don't mean this with Todd, I mean this with anybody in general, because I think communication is obviously one of Todd's strengths or John wouldn't have hired him. You're going to have a problem with John. If you, if you try to silo, if you, if you are not a listener, okay. If you don't have empathy for others and if you don't have a real desire to get to know your players for more than what they just do between the lines. And I think John has done a masterful job of having a energetic, uh, I don't want, I don't want to say collegial mindset, but it's almost like it's, it's his business, but you'd be hard pressed to find people that haven't played for John that still don't have a very strong affinity with him. I'll give you a great example. I ran into Sean Landetta wow. uh, in an airport wow. and we flew on the same plane coming back to Tampa because I live in Florida and he was coming on a visit. He hadn't played for John since he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. His reverence for John was still so strong. Uh, it blew me away. Like, and, and he, and they haven't, they haven't probably even seen each other in a long time, but see, John's like that. And, and, and fortunately for me, my father-in-law was like that. Jim is like that. You know, when you, when you are close with them, there's a strong bond. And I think when you try to do it on your own, that's when you get in trouble with John or when you don't keep him informed or you don't communicate with him, that's when you get in trouble with John. It's fascinating. By Sean Landette, of course, Towson football legend. So we still have a lot of affinity uh-huh. for him up this way. Um, coach, if I could just, I, I've got you. I, you know, there are legendary stories about the competitive, competitive nature of the Harbaugh's and you're around them a lot. I'm wondering when you guys get together, like, what is it? We, we've heard stories about basketball. I don't know if maybe like a uh, racquetball. What is the thing where maybe you guys are the most competitive when you all get together for like a family event? Well, it's not really me as much as, um, Jim and John and Joni are very unique. I'll just leave it at those three. They are really unique in the way Joni's really got the attributes of both of them, right? And, and um, there, there's a huge competitiveness. I see it in my wife when she's playing tennis now, you know, and it's, it's never recreation for her when she's playing tennis, like she's trying to win it. And so I don't, I think, I don't know if it would be, it's not like, it's not like there's an organization of all these activities that everyone's going to try to, to win. And it's just random things. <laughs> and, um, it could be an argument. It could be, uh, it could be trivia. It could be, you name it. And I think when people are around them, you feel it. So it makes the, it makes the competitive juices kick in to the point where you're almost looking for things to compete in. But, <laughs> um, I think the biggest, I, I don't think there is any one, major area. I think they're all three highly competitive people that are very smart. And I always say I got the best looking one. Right. You know, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> but, but they, the bottom line is the bottom line is, um, I mean, Super Bowl week was, oh. was something else, but the last possession of the Super Bowl was so excruciatingly hard yeah. for Joni's mom and dad, for Joni, for me, my kids, I'm sure for, uh, Sarah, you know, Jim's wife, Ingrid, John's yep. wife, but, 
but the competition level between those two, it was never going to shut off, right? And and you walk out of there and won one and one lost, and you feel happy for one, and you're just devastated for the other. But at the end of the day, that was pure competition to the two of them. I'm imagining and, and uh, coach, I'm, I'm like imagining them suggesting that everybody plays like Pictionary, and you just being like, you know what, I'm going to leave you guys at it. I'm going to let you guys go ahead and have this one. Maybe I'll go get a cup of coffee or something right now. Yeah. Yeah, you got to if if a comp if you've planned out a competition or if one breaks out, you got to clear the schedule because it's not <laughs> going to be over. It's really not going to be over till uh I'm not even sure it's over if Jim wins. He may want to win again. Uh same thing with John. Uh it's it, 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 awesome. John um John wants to win as bad as Jim. He just sometimes does it with a little bit more of a smile on his face. Okay, Jim's uh, Jim's a little bit <laughs> more hardcore. Are, yeah, yeah. There's a, but they're both going to, uh, uh, they're both like that. I mean, it's it's just beautiful in the family. That's awesome. And I see it in our own children, and I'm sure they see it in their own children. I mean, Allison Harbaugh is the same way yeah. playing lacrosse at Notre yep. Dame. I yep. mean, I've seen her compete watching her. I mean, it's the same thing. So it's a blessing, really, truly to be in that family and to have three children in that family that, that get to be a part of that to go along with everybody else. That's so cool. Coach, before I let you go, if I could just, to, you know, we're, we're really excited about what Kevin Willard has done up here at Maryland. I wonder is, you know, you're doing studio work and games for ESPN. I, I, I get, they're probably not going to maybe like a final four team or something like that, but how excited should we be about the foundation that someone has been able to lay without much in the way of recruiting in this first year um, with you know a very thin roster, not a very good three-point shooting team, and yet here they are, you know, jockeying, jockeying, and battling for maybe as high as the the three or the two seed in the Big Ten tournament. It's... Well, here here's my history with Kevin Willard. I've known him since he was in the ninth grade. I worked for his father, Ralph Willard, at Western Kentucky. Oh, that's right. Uh, I went to work for him in 1990. So not only did I know Kevin growing up, but I also got a chance to coach him one year. So I guess I've known him since he's probably 15. And so my background with Kevin is one of others. Uh, it's almost like family. And, and uh, I love Kevin Willard. I love the family and, and I follow him closely and I thought he was just an absolute great fit. I mean, I had a lot of competition against Mark Turgeon when I was at Indiana and he was at Maryland. And yep. so you go into Maryland and you just realize it's one of the great home court advantages in college basketball that not everybody understands how great it is. And it's very, very hard to win in there. And they have a tremendous student section. When people come in there, the fans are on you. They're tough. Uh, they're, they're, they're well-educated on basketball. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and they're into it, right? So it was a great fit for him. What he did is he's developed the players that are there. They went in and got Jameer Young, who I think is the key to their team. Because when he plays well and when he's at a different level and, and, and he's playing at all three levels, meaning he's making threes, he's getting in the paint, making passes, and, and, he can, and he can make his layups, he makes everybody better. And what I think you've seen now is they had the, the home success, they had some road struggles, but now they've grown out of that. And so I don't think there's any question that I'm not even sure where they're ranked right now, but if there are – 14 teams in the country better than them. Um, I don't know. Wow. I don't think there are. Wow. Right? I mean, I just think they're right in that ballpark. Wow. And, um, oh, they're that good. And I think he's going to build it because he can recruit, he can coach. And what Kevin has got that he gets from his father and that I think he gets from being Rick, with Rick Pitino all those years 
he's got a style of play that, that he has a conviction in, but he's also got a level of intelligence and awareness and flexibility to figure out a way to beat you on that given night. And I think that's, that's, there's so many coaches that they put their system ahead of everything else and they're successful. You've got guys in the hall of fame that sure. have done that. Sure. You know, those guys usually had a lot of talent too, but the bottom line is when you have not only a system, but when you have a, a flexibility and a cerebral type of spacing and awareness of the game that your players can adjust to based on who they're playing, then I think that that gives you another edge. And I think Kevin Willard has that. I know I said I'm letting you go, but I just, you're so excited. Do you believe he can make this a, a championship caliber program again in the coming five or so years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What Gary Williams did, um, it, when Gary Williams was in the finals and then when he won the next year, he had something that most other people didn't have. You know, obviously the guards got a lot of attention, but I say this all the time. It's one of the three biggest separators on who's going to win and who's not. He had four big guys. Right, like he had four bigs yeah. that you could that you could go through. Like there were always things that Gary Williams had at Maryland that made him unique. But what he had was an incredible environment that people that cared about basketball, and that helped too. Right. Well, what that is there at Maryland. I've been in there when it's standing room only. I've been in there when it's so loud you can't hear yourself thinking it's coming down to the last possession. And I thought Mark did a really good job there. What Kevin has got is all those attributes. He's got an energy with it he's got a desire to win he's got a background in winning he's come up there's never been you know kevin willard is not one of those guys that was ever handed anything you know and and he played at western kentucky he played at Pitt when we were there um he worked his way up starting out as a as an intern basically with rick patino with the boston celtics to working his way up to being a right-hand man for him he started at iona i mean you name it he's come up that way. So when you've got that kind of blue collar work ethic, that when you've got conviction of what you believe in, you can do anything you want. And Maryland is a place, Maryland is one of the, um, I would say it's even better than one of the top 10 jobs in the country. Wow. I put it in the top seven or eight wow. with any job in the country. And I think because of those things that I just mentioned, now you have a coach in there that has that flexibility again to do those type of things. I mean, Mark had some great teams and came really close. What they've got to do, though, what the bottom line is, they've got to support him through this. Hopefully the NIL is where it's got to be. Sure. You know, he can recruit sure. the area. Yep. The area is so strong. But at the same time, you know, he can go a lot of different places. And that league is really hard. It is really hard to win in that league. And, and I think if people are patient with him as he builds it, I think he'll be fantastic. I, it would not shock me. It wouldn't shock me when Iota, if he's in the second weekend – um, I don't want I don't want to put it on that he could be a Final Four team, but this year is so wide open. There's 15 to 20 teams that could that could be in the it could be in the mix this year. I mean, if you said, "Hey, I'll take four teams and you can have the field," you could take any four teams you want, and I'd take the field. I get it. I right? get I just it. Think yep. it's that wide open. Yep. And I and why not Maryland? I don't. I don't think there's any question he can do that, Coach. You're about to be the most popular man in Baltimore with everything you just told us about Todd Munkin and Kevin Willard. You're about to be the most loved man. Um, well, it's I, all truthful. I really yeah. appreciate this. This is a wonderful conversation, Coach. Thank you for. Is there anything yeah. I can plug for you? Anytime. You got coming up? No, no. I'm 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 fine. I'm enjoying what I'm doing and living in Florida and studying a lot of basketball and and uh, I'm in the studio all weekend and um. um 
then I've got a game and then I've been studio and championship week. No, I'm fine. Awesome. Just, uh, uh, and uh, taking it, taking it, uh, in and enjoying what I'm doing. And, and, uh, if, as long as I'm, if my energy comes from learning and as long as I'm learning things every day, I'm good. So that's, that's where stuff. I'm sitting right now. Coach, the best to you and your family. Thank you so much for doing this. Anytime. You're very welcome. Anytime. Uh, great stuff with Tom Crean. Um, yep. It springs. That was, that was fascinating. Uh, you know his his take on the the and explanation about how this happened with Todd Mungin is really fascinating. But then when he got into the Kevin Willard stuff, okay, so can I, can, I, can I pull the curtain back? Yeah, that I was so prepared to talk about Munkin, right? That I, as an interviewer, I have to admit I didn't do my due due diligence, right, to find out the Tom connection Green's of Ralph relationship. And so I was really just asking it because look, the man is a highly successful coach. He's right. been in the Final Four and. Now working as an analyst, I knew he'd have some thoughts about Kevin Willard. I had utterly blanked on he was working with Ralph at Western uh, Kentucky and I Pitt had no idea when Kevin was playing yep. um, and ended up obviously being another entire interview. Essentially I always find the coaching trees in basketball, college basketball really yeah. fascinating. There are tentacles everywhere. No question. You know. um, so great, stuff, great interview. Great stuff with Tom Crean. Really appreciate him taking the time for us and – um, that was uh, that was tremendous. Obviously, he, you know, look, these are people that he is connected to, and so of course he's going to be very high on them and believe in what they're capable of doing. But you know, describes the Maryland job as what he thinks a top seven job in all of college basketball, and for him when he was at Indiana, what it was like competing there, and why he thinks so highly of it. And we've we've seen those. Obviously, the Purdue game last week was a reminder of what Maryland can be. When the team is clicking, when there's something to support, the, this fan base is as rabid and as Kinda electric. like the Orioles. There is something to be said for that comparison, right? We were just talking about that earlier in the show. There is absolutely something to be said for it. All right, Stan, when we come back in, by the way, a gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit, stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem. I'm, I'm already through my limit already. For the year, but you don't have a problem. You're just a, you can control it, right? Like you're, you're <laughs> no, oh, you're gonna end up calling. Me. Well, you might need to call one eight hundred Gambler twenty four seven. I'm already through my limit. Go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. I, it happened to me last year. I'm just kidding. I no, I had a moment where I just said, I'm gonna have to take a few months off. I'm gonna have to. I had a bad couple of weeks, and I said, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a bit. And my I, best my best bets my best weeks are when I was getting the offers. Oh, you know, sure, right, yeah, that, you're looking, you're like, look at all these. I'm winning, I'm winning. Right, look at how well it's going. I uh, I got it back in for the playoffs, I, and I did mostly well on the playoffs, so we'll see. I haven't I haven't dabbled yet on college. I'll definitely be back in for the NCAA tournament. That will happen I'll definitely for sure. do some college basketball, and I'll definitely do some baseball. And, of course, if you are doing those things, as Stan mentioned, go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and take advantage Maybe you've signed up for one of these betting companies, but you haven't signed up for others. You are potentially leaving free money on the table. Don't do that. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers. When we come back in, two things. One, yesterday a big story from ESPN about the Lamar Jackson situation. But then this morning, from of all places, Stephen A. Smith apparently has offered a report about what he has learned from Lamar's side of the equation and this conversation. An odd place for it to come, but I will tell you I have heard something similar, and you'll know that if you listen to the show because I've talked about it a few times. We'll talk about that next, and the fan is here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles in the studio with us. Zach Goodman is in today for Griffin. Uh, Stan, there is a new company that has joined us on board, and I'm excited about it. Our friend Josh Shiroka has launched a project called Birdland Sports which is a, a t-shirt essentially company and the gear is incredibly cool um i am looking forward i was told that i was sent something i got a little care package in the mail and i'm mm-hmm. excited about that nothing for me uh, i think there might even be something for you in this care package i think that might even be the case we will i will have to check to make sure but i believe there might be something headed your way as well and we're going to be giving away some of these cool shirts. The idea is it's called Birdland. BirdlandSports.com okay. is the website. You can go check out all these awesome player T-shirts and, you know, just really neat gear that is available 
for prices much cheaper than the big guys, but the quality has not gone away. The um, They were sent care packages in Sarasota, and the folks in the clubhouse love these shirts. Felix Batista was showing off uh, his The Mountain t-shirt that he received that he loved. Uh, there's a, a Gunnar Henderson Maverick style shirt. You remember Gunnar Henderson was kind of doing that bit last year. There's a lot of cool player-themed shirts available at BirdlandSports.com. Go check it out right now. If you get your order in, you are guaranteed to have your shirts in time for opening day. BirdlandSports.com, owned by an Orioles fan, someone who is just trying to come up with some new cool ideas for gear, and you can find it right now, BirdlandSports.com. And, in fact, I might be willing to give away another shirt right now. If you want to email me, GlennClarkRadio at gmail.com, and say, ooh, Here's the question. What does Stan the Fan Charles like to enjoy on a Friday morning before he comes in to do the show? You, I think I, I did, didn't have You one. said you were maybe... I didn't have it today. Last week you said that might be the end of the road for... You. No, I didn't. I said it was Fridays only. Is the only oh, day, okay. But they were out of them today. So no, did not have it did today. Have, and that's why I'm so grumpy. That, it does cha- You know, it explains a lot now. What does Stan the Fan <laughs> like to enjoy? If, yeah, look... Zach, if you'd like to get in, all you got to do is email me. No, 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 I'm I'm good. GlennClarkRadio at gmail.com. Email me and say what it is that Stan likes to enjoy. You don't have to do it right now. If you listen to the show later in the day, I know we have a huge later in the day audience. If you listen or watch the show later in the day, that's fine. Anytime in the next 24 hours, email me the answer to the question, what does Stan typically like to enjoy before the show on a Friday morning, and you'll be registered to win. Somebody will get a a free T-shirt. From BirdlandSports.com, as simple as that. All right, I think we're going to uh, move some things around. We're going to talk to Bruce Weber uh, closer to the end of today's show. Preview Maryland Northwestern coming up on Sunday. I want to take a minute here, Stan. Pretty lengthy, detailed story yesterday from ESPN.com. Jeremy Fowler and Jamison Hensley. Not just, a just read most of it. Not yeah. a lot of new details no, in there. Mostly a just a, a, a re- regurgitation, but in essay a little form. Bit little bit more context to things. The yeah. one thing in there that did appear to be news was the report that all of Lamar Jackson's counteroffers to the Ravens have been fully guaranteed contract offers. He's never countered with anything that wasn't fully guaranteed. I said yesterday that was interesting to me because I had been told starting last summer, and I don't do a lot of reporting necessarily, but a source that I have that is closer to Lamar's side than to the Ravens, I will admit that part of it, had told me, Glenn, this is not as black and white as you think it is. It is not as black and white as Lamar will only do a fully guaranteed deal. It was presented to me that the number had to be higher than what had been offered in fully guaranteed money, which was, again, repeated in this story as being $133 million but that it wasn't as black and white as fully guaranteed. The narrative has continued throughout the offseason that it is very black and white. Lamar Jackson, fully guaranteed or nothing else. This morning on, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, what's the Stephen A. Smith show on ESPN? I don't even remember. Isn't that first take? First take, thank you. This morning on first take, Stephen A. Smith, and I just was sent the clip by our friend Paul in Orlando, says that he was in touch yesterday with Lamar Jackson's camp, and they say they have never requested a fully guaranteed contract from the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting. Extremely interesting. interesting. And I get it, it's Stephen A. Smith, so we're quicker to maybe 
kind of be dismissive, but unlike some people, Stephen A. Smith does have an extensive reporting background based on his time in Philadelphia. And while I think he does things for attention sometimes in his opinions, I would still be surprised by him flatly making something up. I don't believe that Stephen A. Smith would simply say that for the sake of saying it. Now, the truth, of course, is somewhere in between these two things, right? Jeremy Fowler, Jamison Hensley report yesterday that all of Lamar Jackson's counteroffers have been a fully guaranteed contract. Stephen A. Smith says today, Lamar's camp tells him they've never asked for a fully guaranteed contract. So we're at literally all or nothing on these two sides. Presumably, there's got to be something in between there. I can't fathom how both things could possibly be true. You know, you know, the, the more this goes down the road, I'm reminded, do you remember the situation? Remember when the Orioles were on, I mean, the Ravens' uh, ancillary programs were on Masson? I do, yes. And do you remember why they went off? Um, remember the, the I remember story? there was a well. Dick Cass went down mm-hmm. to negotiate with Peter to continue the deal or right. renew the deal, and he said, "I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Bashotti." And Bashotti said, "That's not the way I do." You know, right. through Dick Cass. Yeah, Dick, said, do, Dick does Dick, this. For I us, handle right. these things, and they never got the they, uh, Orioles ended up walking away from it. And it probably wasn't really smart for the Ravens to leave Madison at the time. I, okay. I tend to agree. But the one thing you don't hear is Steve coming into this at all in any way, shape, or form. And to me, that's the last way that this is going to get done is he has at to At some point, this himself. has to be. It has to be. My, if Eric is there at the meeting, right. I can't. But Steve has got to come down. Sam, do me a favor. I guess, can you hand me that microphone? I am being told that people can now hear this, uh, this static that we're talking about over the broadcast. So I just want to see if I can pull up the, uh, the other mic, if you don't mind, and see sure. if that makes it any better. And sure. See if we can't. Much better. Drastically that's, better. Yeah. We will just go with this until All we figure right. out what So it's got to be Mike, too. That's, that's the problem. I, I don't know what the answer is, but we'll... give you too much. All right. Can we, can, we, can we pull it over there and make yep. it easier? Yeah. All right. Um... I, there's something to be said for that, Stan. And I, and I, I again, I think it, and if nothing else, to show the player, you, you're you have a unique situation here. This isn't dealing with Drew um, Rosenhaus mm-hmm. or Lee. Uh, what's his name? Lee Steinberg. Mm-hmm. This is a player who doesn't have a great deal of experience doing this, and this is not a knock against him for what it's worth it. the nflpa is right. multiple people have they are involved in this well process. i was going to ask right. who is this camp we keep referring to who does that consist of his mom his I'm assuming. family okay yeah his family family and i'm sure there's an attorney involved in and it. and i am and diana rossini gave a little bit more context to this yesterday and saying directly not even like in the past it's been so it's been said they're advising him in right. the process. She is suggesting that they are someone they being the, the NFL, NFLPA, yeah, yeah. someone within the NFLPA is. I've been told the same thing. Directly involved, as in like handling right. part of the conversations, in almost not an agent capacity, but in a at least intermediary capacity in this process. Well, I'll go one step further than that. I had somebody who I know, a local attorney, who texted me about week three of Lamar's injury and he just texted me I won't 
I won't use the exact word. He goes, you know, Lamar is effing the Ravens. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes into this whole thing that because Lamar doesn't have an agent, the NFLPA has their hooks into him as the guy who can yes change the concept change around the concept of the franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. So I ran that by my friend Rick Schaefer, who was a former major scout that dealt with nothing but NFL players. He said that's that's BS. He goes the franchise quarterback. The franchise ability that a franchise has is not, first of all, it's not only for quarterbacks, it's for any it's the player they tag. want a franchise yes, tag. Correct. It's been collectively bargained. So it's there until the next collective bargaining. Agreement. But it is so, common knowledge the NFLPA hates it and wants to get rid of it, right? right? Like they have not. And it, I guess they would get rid of it if they got more players one to of, have guaranteed contracts. And one of the issues they've had is they – and it's if you talk to anybody related to the NFL, NFLPA, their frustration regularly is that the players ultimately get to a point where they say, we're not willing to miss paychecks over this. Right. And so when they collectively bargain something, they un, unlike in baseball where the players' union has had extraordinary power, they feel as though they have not had nearly enough power because in – the, you want to call it the modern era, in the last 30 years, 30-plus 30 years now, no no group of players has been willing to say, we will lose paychecks over the because, fight over... Because they're commensurate with how long their careers are. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. They, they, if we lose a year's worth of paychecks, I mean, ext- you don't gain anything. You, you never make so, strides. So they fought, and they've gotten small victories in right. some of these CBA negotiations, right. and... You know, they got, like, for example, obviously drastically off-season changed drastically in the last CBA negotiation and limited the number of padded practices you could have. Two-a-days are now completely gone. They they have had small victories because, for the most part, the teams, that didn't cost them their bottom line. And the teams, they said, look, the coaches all want this stuff, but it doesn't change how much money we're making. Yeah. Like, we're not going to yeah. fight over this. That's not worth it. So the teams are willing to give up. So the, the bottom line, as I get back to it, is – I think at some point Steve Bashotti has to, I use the term in my column that is going up over the weekend or today, step up, you know, and talk about this, number one, be more transparent. I'm not saying negotiate directly through the media, mm-hmm. but be a little bit more Did transparent. Did you think anything in there was them doing that? Did, there, There is an opinion that has percolated in the last 24 hours. That given the length of this story, given yeah. that it there again, it wasn't necessary. It, there was no nothing new. new there right. was no demand. That could and have yet, been five hundred words, not twenty. And yet it was this huge thing that ESPN yeah. was trying to drive. There was an opinion from some yesterday that perhaps that was because the Ravens are now trying to go the route of negotiating through the media because they are feeling a bit up against it at yeah. this point in this process. Yeah. Did well, you did you I, feel I, any of that? I didn't sense it in that article. I did not get to the very end of it because mm-hmm. I was listening intently to Tom Crean, but I will read it later today. But again, I think it boils down to Steve. If this player is as important as we think he is, mm-hmm. I think I know he doesn't want to set a precedent where every player they get in a contract hassle with. He's got to get this guy. Right. This is unique. There's no agent. I think the human relationship, and I'll tell you what, Eric has, and I don't doubt Eric has a great relationship with um, Lamar Jackson, but it's been, that relationship's been great for, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. Because at the end of the day, 
Eric carries the water back to Steve and says, well, he wants this. And Steve says, no. But it was so easy for us to kind of figure that if the answer was Lamar Jackson was hell-bent on fully guaranteed and Steve Bishotti directly is the one that says, look, I've got to go back to these owners' meetings. I've got to be the one that walks in, and they're going to look at me and say, why'd you fold? Why Why didn't you hold the line for us? So the easiest way of looking at it was this side wants this one thing, this specifically the owner is hell-bent on saying, I don't want to do that. If there's gray area there, if what I had heard was true, if what Stephen A. Smith is reporting is true, then it it does make it a bit more confusing. If it's not as simple as Lamar won't do anything besides fully guaranteed, the Ravens won't do fully guaranteed, then really why hasn't there been an ability to find something in the middle at this point? That's That's the difficult part for me right now. And again, part of it just might be the, the awkward nature of negotiations that you're not dealing with a, an agent that you've dealt with a million times in the past. What's the wide receiver? Give me the damn ball. Uh, Terrell Clay, Owens. No. Tra- Chad Johnson? No, the one with the Jets. Keyshawn Johnson. Sorry. Keyshawn Thank Johnson. you. Yes. Keyshawn Johnson. Sorry. He and Stephen A. did a first take type of mm-hmm. moment. Yes. And they also had Chris Russo yeah, was sitting dog, in on yeah. it and didn't really add much to it because it wasn't baseball. Uh, but <laughs> it's no, not his strength. No, it's, it's not, not his strength. Right. But but they were talking about that, and they were uh, Keyshawn was putting out the idea of a shorter, slightly shorter contract, four years, fifty million guaranteed, and you know, that, that seems like one way to get this deal done. Well, if you're ultimately going to be willing to let him play under the tag, at some point you are already committing to a certain amount of guaranteed like 45 money, forty-five million dollars for one year. So what? What are you doing here? Right. And particularly if, and you and I have talked about this a number of times, I do believe there will be a team that is so desperate because there are so many teams that are – there is an entire division right now that doesn't have a quarterback. We've never seen anything like this in football. The entire NFC South, combined, all of the quarterbacks that are under contract, this is the entire list. This is Indianapolis. Of, no, the, the NFC South. NFC South. So this would be New Desmond Orleans. Ritter in Atlanta. right. right. Matt Corral in Carolina, right. and Kyle Trask in Tampa. That is the entire list. And Andy list. Dalton in New Orleans. I, I, I mean, if I, he's still I don't even know if he's contract. still under contract at yeah. this point. I was, I was told this, so yeah. I could end up being wrong. This is the entire list of quarterbacks that are under contract moving forward. Yeah. There is an entire division yeah. that is desperate. Maybe we could move to that division. It would be helpful. <laughs> it would be great news if you could. Yes, Seth. Well, I think the whole uh, prospect of him, uh, prospect may not be the right word for it, but there is the fact that Lamar and By the, the way, it was a one-year deal for Andy Dalton last year, so he is not under contract. Mm, Sorry. Okay. Uh, Lamar and the Ravens' relationship has been deteriorating for a while. I think we all know that, and that's been you know reported pretty widely, and I think that just has so much context in all of this that he wasn't returning calls that Eric DaCosta was making to him last year. And you've got to wonder if he is placed under the tag, and you guys have probably mentioned this on the show before, but if he's placed under that tag, what's the motivation going to be for Lamar? He's a winner. He loves to win. He loves to play. He's an energetic yeah. guy. But can you can you really trust him as the leader of your I, team? I if think he doesn't I think be when there? the games start, yes. But I okay. to the point, no, he's definitely not going. If if he if this goes to tag and nothing else, then he's not going to be there at all this offseason. and he almost certainly won't be there at the start of training camp. Although in fairness, a lot of people expected he wasn't going to show up for the start of training camp last year, and yeah. he did. But th- if he is this involved with the NFLPA and the NFLPA is this hell bent about the franchise tag, as Stan was just talking about, no, yeah. he. He won't. He will not be there for the start of training camp. 
that he might not be there literally until a week before the season starts. I'm I'm if not that, an investigative reporter, yes. so it's not my strength. I would love to to have us do something on this or maybe the history of the show. No, to do something about a player that's on the franchise tag like mm-hmm. Lamar that the trade-off is we're going to insure you with Lloyd's oh, of right. London. Can you do that? Yeah, you brought that up a couple times. To make, right. In case you would get an injury. And does that bridge the And the, the trade-off gap? is he comes to training right. camp. Right. I don't know if the what the players' association I, would do about that either. I don't know either, and it's it's worth it's, it's worth interesting at some point. to know yep. what the cost would be because right. it's probably not a a cheap cost. It's probably uh, my, about a ten million dollar. I don't know if we talked about. It. My gut would tell me the players' association because they're so hell bent on trying to get rid of the franchise tag right. would still say. But not what enough. if you set a precedent that that's what the team does the, every the time buy in. forward? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, right. Insuring them up to the level of two hundred and fifty million, mm-hmm. but saying, "Hey, you're playing under the franchise tag for this year, mm-hmm. and we'll pay the indemnification right. to Lloyd's of London." I, I, w- I don't I, know. I would wonder if the team would say, "Well, then we're basically saying you're worth two hundred fifty million dollars, and we don't want to give you that in negotiations." Like no, because I'm again, I'm not saying you'd go up that high with the insurance. It yeah. would insure he would be paid forty five million by the team, or right three five. Maybe a hundred million. Okay. So there's some incentive for him to come in, right. and really be a part of the team he's being franchised by, and I, maybe only do that for one year. I'm intrigued. I, I still come back to if it's not fully guaranteed or nothing, why can't the deal get done? Yeah. Why can't you figure yeah. out what that number is? Because I have no. I inherently even look. I've told you before. I don't get as scared about the idea of fully guaranteed as everybody else does because I keep trying to remind everybody literally every single one of these quarterbacks that's gotten one of these deals has gotten every penny of the deal. Now, that might change with Russell Wilson. He might be the one that is the first time, if it's as disastrous as it was in year one, that at some point during the course of the deal, the Broncos finally say, we will deal with the dead cap space. We, this is so poisonous, we have no choice but to just get rid of, of this. But to this point, every contract that's ever been given out the quarterback got every penny of the deal. And the risk of losing not having a quarterback to me is greater than the risk of but what happens if he suffers a you know, a really career altering right. injury That's in year the... three, which is why you fight about it not being fully guaranteed. But even if you say draw a hard line at fully guaranteed, it's not a, the way the quarterback contracts have worked definitively, even if you accept Deshaun Watson as an outlier, is that whoever the last guy was, the next guy gets more. So if the answer from Lamar Jackson is it doesn't have to be full and guaranteed, but it's got to be more than Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson got last offseason, well, that's that's the goat. Well, that's supposedly they've offered more than than that. It's a that's little a, slightly right, uh, like uh, yeah, you know, I mean, and that's and that's fair. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It's fair, Stan. Um, but if, the if number- that if that is true that they've offered more and he wants just larger, yeah. then it would seem like that number would be another twenty or thirty million dollars. And you to would the life of the contract should get the deal. You, know. you would think. You yeah. would think. And that's what makes all of this so bloody confusing and why mm-hmm. we've kind of... I mm-hmm. will just tell you one thing. I'm not a great negotiator, but I know one thing about negotiations. When you have two sides and they're entrenched like this, mm-hmm. often what needs to change is the people talking. I understand you know, what you're saying. And, and that's why you think Steve Bishotti... I think Steve... I understand. Steve's got a... It, it becomes more human... If Steve is uh, the one talking, I, I completely get and it. And I understand his his thing is I don't 
you know, right, that's I've got, I don't talk to I correct. don't talk to players directly. That's uh, never been what I do. Well, this might be the one time you got to do it. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Sign up with DraftKings right now. If it's your first time signing up, you make a $5 bet. You get $200 in free bonus bets. That's simple. You don't have to use them right now. You can save them. So you can make a $5 bet this weekend on, like, Maryland Northwestern and then save your bonus bets until the NCAA tournament and use them then. Free bets. $5 bet. You get $200 worth of free bets. Again, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link. When we come back in, we're going to preview Stevenson Lacrosse with Coach Paul Cantabene. Still to come today, we will catch up with Bruce Weber from Big Ten Network. Stay on the fan is here. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. 
If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. It pops me every time. Every time it pops me. Is I swear. It's so good. Thank you, Paul. Uh, back in here on GCR, a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles in studio. Zach Goodman from the Bat Around hanging out with us in for Griffin. Appreciate him coming and hanging out. What do you have uh, on the docket this weekend, Stan the Fan? You, can you turn Stan's mic on for me, please? Appreciate Going to it. try and get down to the CIAA tonight. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, it's been a, a, a great week, obviously. Anxious to see the building and yep. see some competitive basketball. So, semifinal day today for the CIAA, and then finals tomorrow at the CIAA tournament. I have not been able to get there, and I apologize. It was part of my plans for the week as well, but I had about three extra games dumped. Ooh, I got a thing I want to run by you before the end of the show. I'm, uh, I have, I'm, I'm feeling a little... Um, I'm doing something tomorrow that I'm not fully qualified for. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with like the fear of getting caught, like the fraud, the fear of fraud of being caught as a fraud. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit nervous I do about that. that. Every time I'm behind a- every time you open up. I got over that a few a little while ago. Like I just accept that people know I'm a fraud, so it doesn't really concern me. Um I uh okay, all right. I I don't I don't know what's going on with Paul. I got a minute here. I was texted the other day by a friend of mine who sometimes asks me if I can do with play-by-play gig for him somewhere and i get a text i'm in the middle of the show and i look down and i only have a minute and i look down and i see temple women's lacrosse you know an offer for money that's all i see in the text yeah, offer and for money and i'm like yeah sure it, 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 so i saw saturday noon temple women's lacrosse an offer for money and i said okay i can do that i, I don't have a game till seven i'm doing the stevenson game right. tomorrow and i don't have a right. game till seven my wife told me the kids have plans tomorrow so i wouldn't even be able to spend the day with the kids i'm like well up to Philly and meet some new folks and work up there. So I said, yes, absolutely, I can do it. Then I start studying. I start, you know, like doing all the work. And then I get an email from somebody that says, great, um, I'll get you in touch with your play-by-play guy. And I said, oh, so now you're the analyst. Wait, I thought I was the play-by. And then I went back and looked at the text again, and it very clearly said, analyst, not play-by-play. Okay. Now, look, I have done a lot of women's lacrosse in my life. Right. But it's a tough sport with the 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 whistles and things like that. You got to really be an expert. You got a little few different rules in there. Yeah, and I am not as comfortable with that part of it. But I was already into my preparation. I was already I'd studied all the teams. By the time I realized that, I already agreed to do it. I was now within like a day and a half, and I said I'd be putting these people in a bind if I bagged Back out at this point. Right. So I think I'm just going to do it. I know I'm just going to do Why it. Why don't at this you point. see if you can pay what you're due to make? And more to Gary Stein to go and do send him up there to do it instead. <laughs> You'll do fine as an analyst. I'm sure I'll figure it. But I yeah. I do have that little bit of a fear of fraudulence involved. That maybe I, I misrepresented myself when I so quickly said I could do it no. instead of. And looking back over the text, he was like, "I don't know if that's you or you know somebody, <laughs> somebody a former player, right. a former coach. Believe it or not, I did not pay, played a lot of women's lacrosse in my life." <laughs> I will feel much more comfortable tomorrow night. But you know all the, the differences in the yes, rules I do. I, of the, I, I know the game. I'm just not the expert level right. that I feel that I should be right. working I as understand. an analyst. That's interesting. I will feel far more comfortable tomorrow night when I'm at Mustang Stadium working the broadcast as Stevenson plays their home opener against Christopher Newport. Joining us now, the head coach of the Mustangs. He is our friend, Coach Paul Cantabene, and he's back with us now here on GCR. 
Coach, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan is here Long with time me. Long time no talk, Coach. Well, no, Stan, since the last time I was on your TV show, I was on your last TV show, I believe, right? I think that's, I think that's correct. Wow. Yep. wow. Yep. So, wait, you're, yep. res- you're responsible for <laughs> killing the TV show, Coach? a lot of things in the past <laughs> <laughs> it's good to chat with you man great to catch up obviously home opener tomorrow night i i was really hoping we would have this conversation coming off a win last week at her i really was hoping that you'd be one to know we'll be doing this and it'd be a lot of fun uh what happened week one and and is it you know it, look this is your plan you do this every year you schedule insanely every year is it just a case of we played a heck of a team on the road sometimes you're going to take one on the chin well, you know, at this, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, we wanted, we all wanted the season to start better. So, but we we played great all year, and that was the worst we played all year. You know, we handled our scrimmages really well against very good teams, and played very well in that. And we just didn't have a great effort. I think, uh, you know, we had some new guys playing for us in crucial situations, and uh, that was their first game, and they didn't play as well as we could. Um, obviously, defensively, I thought we were one of not a great effort. But I think we'll bounce back. I know the fortitude of these guys are an older team. It's just kind of a bad go. You have those sometimes throughout the season, and I think uh, we're just going to kind of leave it at that. I think we'll be much better in all the situa- all the areas we have uh, this week and playing a very talented Christopher Newport team. But our guys are going to compete. We're going to get after it. And it's just one of those days. You know, we all have them where, you know, you can't get out of your own way. So if you wanted to lose a game, you know, we did all the things to lose a game very well. So we did 100% of that. <laughs> but, but, I think we'll be. I think we'll be better. There's a lot to build on, and uh, I think we understand how to play in these games, and uh, we'll we'll certainly be better this week. You talk about um, some new faces. Obviously, two key positions, both in goal and at the dot, where you have new faces, or at least new starters this year. Veteran players, but new starters. I did notice right. that at the dot, you you mixed it up a little bit, and you sent a freshman out there and gave him some reps. Can you take me through? Is that going to be evolving throughout the course of the season? Or are you planning on using both of those guys throughout the course of the year? Well, I think we'll do a lot of things facing off. You know, we're really kind of the mentality, our 10 against their three. And, uh, but, you know, we rolled out Justin uh, Bordner. He's a freshman. He's a very talented freshman. And uh, it did well early. He's got, just got some bad bounces and just kind of struggled handling the officials a little bit. I think the officials are kind of mixing up some things on him. And as a freshman, didn't handle that well. So we got some movements, and we had to kind of play some other people. And so that kind of hurt us. I think we'll be much better than that. You know, anytime you throw out a, a first-year face-off guy as a freshman out there in a college game, you're going to have some bumps. And so, you know, when we did, we had six violations, you know, so we, you know, just battled those out, we would have done pretty well. So we'll get better from that, and he'll learn from it. And we got some other guys who are going to go out there and help us out if we struggle there. But he's going to be much, much better. And uh, in a month than he is from now, he's really a, a talented kid. He's just got to learn how to handle the ups and ups and downs of facing off the college level and uh, all the things that go into it. And I think he'll be much better this weekend and be much better going forward. It's a Justin you have. But by the way, you know, just because I have you and you're the guy to talk to about this, you know, being the greatest face-off specialist ever, the, when you say the violations, there's been a lot made of there. Is there is the, I don't know how new the rule is, but they're keeping the guys – in the stance longer was was that maybe part of what you guys were dealing with in the first game? Well, that's always again the issue. The rules doesn't say that. You know, I think there's been a real issue about what the officials are 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 uh, doing or getting interpreted, and what um, what we think should happen. Like in the officials, you know, they get down, they're set, and then it's supposed to be a, a whistle, and it's supposed to be a quick process. Uh, like right now in our game, for example, the guys, the referees are saying, "I'm going slow." and then to blow the whistle quick. And they're going, hey, I'm going to go quick, and then you blow the whistle slow. And so 
the communication with the referees and the faceoff guys is struggle right now throughout the year. You know, I think they need to get back to kind of what's pre-COVID, uh, get back in there to help the guys out a little bit. And so the violations go down and we have cleaner face-offs. You know, they're just, I mean, the problem with the face-off that I always think is that we're not trying to trick these kids. We're trying to have a face-off to start the game. And I think the officials sometimes and coaches are bad at it as well. They get on them and they're trying to fool them all of a sudden. That's when you get a lot of, a lot of things. So face-off guys have to be very mentally tough to handle that and what officials are doing. And it's very easy to say to wait for the whistle. But when you're down in that stance, like an offensive lineman's in a three-point stance, and you're in there for five, you know, four down there for five, four or five seconds, mm-hmm. you're going to move. Just like offensive linemen move. You know, they get down, you hold them there too long, they're going to move. And so, you know, we got to kind of – the referees, hopefully as the season goes on, will get better and better at it. But right now I think we're kind of off to a sluggish start. Hey, Paul, uh, Glenn, I know we booked you to talk about the Stevenson game tomorrow night, the home opener, but I just want to go back a week, and Glenn probably will remember exactly the numbers – how unusual is it for a team that dominated the faceoffs oh, like Maryland? Maryland, yeah, the Maryland, Maryland Loyola. What 18, was eighteen of twenty-two? Maryland won eighteen of twenty-two and lose the game by eleven goals. That's incredibly. I mean, they lost okay. by five goals. I'm sorry. Uh, that's incredibly unique, isn't it? It is. It is. But you know, it goes to show you how you know how well Loyola played defense. You know, yep. if you can play solid defense and clear the ball the first time out there you're going to be pretty successful. A lot of times you lose a lot of face-offs, you play more defense, you don't clear the ball successfully, so the other team has the ball a little bit more, and that leads to more possessions, and then you do lose those games. But Loyola did an outstanding job of playing solid defense, only allowing Maryland to possession one time, and then getting the ball cleared to the other end, which was crucial. If you give a team like Maryland or any good team multiple chances on offense because you didn't clear it or you, you turn it over, uh, then you're going to pay for it. And I think Loyola did just a great job. But it's very unusual to get dominated that much because then your defense is playing that much more defense. And then sometimes what happens in that scenario as well is that your offense gets a little antsy, you have some bad possessions there, you get the ball back quicker. And so you got to play really um, – They what Loyola did is play very efficient offense. You know, you got to have a high yield. You know, you're going to get less possessions. you got to score more goals on those less possessions in order to win. As a coach and one who also played with Charlie Toomey, do you almost coach your team the week before you play somebody like Maryland's face-off guy that, hey, we know we're going to lose you know, more face-offs than usual, but this is what we have to do to counter that? Absolutely. You have to be prepared for that. So as a coach, you're preparing for all those. You prepare if you win more. You're prepared to lose more. So they have probably had several scenarios that they wanted to do facing off wise and what were they going to go defensively and offensively. So obviously, you know, you're preparing offensively, you know, you don't want to go quick because then it gives the team other, you want to get the best possession you can try to get the best shot that you can and then uh, go from there. So if you have a great yield of 35 to 40% and scoring goals in those possessions, you got a better chance of winning the game. If you had a yield of like, 10 to 15%. Obviously, they're off to a great start. Stevenson coach Paul Cantabene with us here on GCR. Stevenson, Christopher Newport tomorrow night at Mustang Stadium, the home opener. Um, uh, coach, back to your team for a second. One, I, the one thing that jumps out at me, and I know like it doesn't solve everything, but as you brought the, talk about the guys that you brought back, it seems like offensively you've got a lot there. There's a lot you can count on. Is there somebody maybe that's ready to creep up and join that group, someone that you're seeing and thinking – by the time we get to conference play, by the time the season's over, you're going to be talking about this guy more, someone who's ready to add to it. 
Right. Well, I think you're going to talk a lot about Jack Scalati and Grant Zick. You know, those are two guys that are uh, uh, two of our middies that are excellent. You know, they're sophomores for us, and they've, they've had great balls. They're bigger. They're faster. They can handle pressure. They can play offense, defense. They're really all-around midfielders. Those are two guys you'll talk about a lot. They are very, very good in what they do and, and very smart. So we're lucky to have both of them. And what about, uh, we mentioned the change in goal. Nice to have a veteran, obviously. Uh, what did you see from Justin in his first game? Is that something that you are, like, it's it's definitively his job, or was there still a competition yeah. there, too? Justin's done a great job really taking the bull by the horns here and doing it, man. He had, uh, I think, 13 or 14 saves. He did a great job in the net. He was one of our highlights, along with Cam Lottie with six goals. You know, we thought he played outstanding. He was not the reason we lost. He was really the reason we were in the game. He did a really, really good job, and we're very happy where he is. But we got some guys he struggles that uh, we think can step in, but he's really done a great job earning the position, and he deserves to start. Um, the biggest difference, you know, like going through it, Coach, it's it's humbling, right? You guys have been in the NCAA tournament every year. I know it had to be tough for the guys a year ago to come up short. What did it do? How did it drive? You know, I talked about this with Charlie, obviously, and we see how much they've responded. But, like, what did it do this offseason to drive your guys, to give them focus, to say we're not going to allow that to happen again? Well, I think they've done, you know, their mentality has been great. You know, so, I mean, I'm not, gonna, I'm not judging them on one bad day. You know, I think we've done a great job all, all fall and spring. They've done a great job in the weight room. And, I mean, they're great kids. They do great in the classroom. They do things the right way more often than not, and that's what we're really excited about them. Our character will blossom by the end of the season. We'll be a much, much better team by the end of the year than we are right now. We are going to be a very good team by the end of the year. But we're a very good team now. It's just that we had a bad day and we're going to play some good teams. So we might play some good games, maybe drop one here or there. But we think that we're going to compete. And I think our guys are driven. We got the guys. They understand what's in front of them. They love our schedule. They never talk to me about, hey, why do we schedule this team? Why do we do that? They love who we play. And, uh, you know, we can schedule anybody we want and still be, you know, what, 15-3 and if we wanted to each year. But we like to play the teams we like to play. And sometimes you're going to take some lumps, but we're learning a lot. And that's what Stevenson's all about. And that's why we play at night. That's why we play in front of the big crowds. That's why we do the things we do. And I think that's why people want like to come here. So, but sometimes you're going to take some lumps when you do that. Uh, but that's okay. That's, those are learning experiences, and everybody needs to learn. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. All right, before I let you go, it's such a big event every year. Do you want to take a second and just sort of plug the classic and remind everybody in this area about what an opportunity it is to come watch high-level lacrosse for a weekend? It's- yeah, you know, the Mustang Classic is the best in-season uh, college tournament, regardless of sport, I think, out there or regardless of level. We have 10 of the best teams in the country coming to the Mustang State Stadium. Um, uh, I think it's the 18th and 19th of, uh, Seven, of March. 17th and 18th. Seven, sorry, 17th and 18th. We start games at 11 o'clock in the morning, and we are done around 10 o'clock at night. So it's, it's, a, it's a full day of lacrosse. It's awesome. And uh, we couldn't. You know, we hope everybody comes out. Looks like the weather, hopefully, knock on wood here, looks like it's going to be all right. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend of lacrosse to come out and see some of the best teams in D3 play day in and day out. Yeah, you got really lucky as you guys got ready for the season. You haven't had to dodge snow. You haven't had to, my God, the other day, I'm guessing everybody was in shorts. You might have been in shorts the other day. Was it Tuesday when it, or yesterday was when it was 80 degrees? My God, what a week this has been. Well, well, I'm good with it. I hate snow, so I'm yeah, good with it. Let's you, go. How can you Stay hate snow? It. You're from western New York. How in the world do yeah. you hate snow? Why I hate snow. Okay, right, I get... grew up in Western New York. All you see is why you hate snow. All right. I, I guess I can understand that, man. I'd be done with it, too, at some point. Paul Cantabana, I look forward to being out there tomorrow night. Always appreciate you, my Great friend. Great to talk to you again, Paul. Thanks. Good to see you guys. Talk to you guys real soon. Bye. Stevenson lacrosse coach Paul Cantabana getting us ready for tomorrow night and their season opener against Christopher Newport. 
Uh, tomorrow during the day, the Baltimore County Police Department is hosting a hiring event. It is at the Public Safety Building on Joppa Road in Towson, and it starts at 10 a.m. And if you have even thought about the possibility of making a career change, if you know somebody who is struggling to find direction that's a young person, the Baltimore County Police Department has opportunities available with extraordinarily competitive salaries, cadet salaries that start at over $32,000 a year, entry-level officers over $60,000 a year, and then lateral officers over $64,000 a year with $10,000 signing bonuses available for entry-level and lateral officers. Tomorrow at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson, you can do it all. Take the agility test, take the written test, go through the entire application process. Everything can be done between 10 and 2. If you're not thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, but you just want to feel more of a touch between the police and the community, it's been such a topic in recent years that we needed to reconsider the relationship with policing and the community. And the Baltimore County Police Department is taking that very seriously, and they want to be a part of that change. They want you to just come over and say hello. They want you to just stop by. There's going to be a keynote speaker celebrating Black History Month during the course of the day. The the canine unit will be out there. You can take pictures, all that sort of stuff. They just want to get that relationship further entrenched between the community and the police department. So a great opportunity for you to do that tomorrow. Get over to the Public Safety Building between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., 700 East Joppa Road. You can call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com to find out more. All right, we are winding down for a Friday edition of the program. Stan, you said you are inching closer to your inaugural power rankings list. I'm, I'm pretty close. Yeah? Pretty close. So you want the top ten? Yes. You're you're previewing it. Now you're giving it away for free right here. Look at this. <laughs> it's not unbelievable. Like, not like there's been a pay one. Oh though. no, this is gonna be the moment. This changes everything now for Glenn Clark. All right, what do you got? Top ten. I've uh, got should do you want me to try to guess? Not particularly. Okay, uh, then go for, go go right ahead. I've got Buck Showalter and the Mets at number one okay. right now. Okay. okay. The only question I had is, would you just default? Hey, the the Astros are the World Series champions. They get to no. be number one because I of I, th- I think seriously the injury to McCullers. Yep. It it, it, it kind of shined a light on the fact that they don't have Verlander either. Mm-hmm. So they get one more injury, they become much. And I know they got Hunter Brown they there. Got, you know. Uh, but and Forrest Whitley at one time when I owned him. He was the greatest pitching son prospect of, in the game of baseball. Son of a bitch, you ruined everything. Hey, poor guy didn't know what God. hit him. But I don't own you anymore, Forrest Whitley, uh, so maybe <laughs> you can come on. Uh, I've got San Diego okay, because of their wow. manager and their lineup as number two. Okay, Love me some Bob uh, I've Miller. got the Atlanta Braves number three. So okay. that's the first three spots are National League teams. Sure. Got the Yankees four. Okay. Houston five. Okay. St. Louis six. Seattle 7. Wow. You know what team you haven't heard yet? Uh, well, Toronto jumps off the page at me a little well, bit. Well, they're next. I, I, don't heard, I don't think we've heard the Dodgers yet, have we? That's correct. Oh, I didn't even think okay, about that's that. Correct. Jesus, you're right. I've got Toronto 8, the Dodgers 9, and Cleveland 10. Huh. So the Orioles are 11 then? Or? The Orioles are it's in, like 16. They're in a, look at this. This is a pretty powerful group from 11 to 15. Mm-hmm. Philly. 11, mm-hmm. and that would be yeah, literally top defend, five. Defending a National League champion. Right. That would be top five if Bryce Harper were playing right. the whole season. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Minnesota, 12. 
Tampa 13, Cle- Orioles 14, D-backs 15. Wow. Wow. D-backs are going to be improved this year. Wow. And you have Cleveland outside. You have in the- I have Cleveland as 10. Oh, yeah. You're right. My brand. Dodgers my 9. Okay. What have the Dodgers done to improve? No, I... I- They've no, got, in fact, the Dodgers got, have been probably the least improved team in baseball. They've got no Tyler Anderson. Yep. They've got now. I know they're getting Dustin May back yep. for the whole year, and he could he could be great. But, but Dustin May, you can't really year. count on him. Right. Exactly. They got no Walker Bueller. Yep. So their top two are Urias and Kershaw. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they um, added they JD lost, Martinez. They did. Yeah, yeah. They, but fading now. Look, he here's working the, with the hitting coach. Yeah. that kind of brought him back. Oh, so the the care package has arrived from BirdlandSports.com. Oh, I'm very excited great. about that. Great. Got some cool T-shirts. Um, so, so here's the problem, with JD they Martinez. Lost, they, they lost tr- Trey Turner. Yeah, I think the I think the notion that Gavin Lux is going to play shortstop is n- not going to play out uh, at all. You know what? I love Gavin Lux in the minors. The dude almost hit 400 one year. Right. But Gavin Lux has proven that he is a very average baseball player. Yeah. He's a very average baseball player. But what I, what I will say is that J.D. Martinez is really, uh, I don't know. Do too- I get to take my choice of this, by the way, John? All right, we'll deal with this after. Yeah, this is too, mu- too much for me. I, so I get all wow. of these, right? They're all wow. for me? That's what you... Give them away. Uh, well, no, these are for just for us. These are the internal ones. This is for the staff here at PressBox. The others... Uh, Josh is handling. So for the winners, oh, these are back. these are for us. Birds I don't know back. which one I want the most. That one's. Uh, I'm excited to see these. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it too. We'll take a look. Much more so important I, than my. Much. Ah, oh, it's a real bummer that Griffin's not here today. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, John, you want one of these? Sorry. You want one of these? Oh, yeah, John already took one. Oh, John got ah, first choice. Got John is trying to present it like I got first right. choice. He got mm. first choice. All right, all right, all right. Very good. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Sorry, I didn't of mean to. Of course, the T-shirts are much more important than my analysis. I'm, I'm, I'm of very excited. Well, they are our friends from BirdlandSports.com. We appreciate their partnership. Are. Yes. Um, what I was saying was that uh, J.D. Martinez, I think, was around a two and a half WAR player last year. Cody Bellinger was about a two WAR player, so you're missing about 0.5, 0.6 WAR there. But Cody Bellinger, even though he was quite a terrible hitter last year, as he has been for the past three years. Was an incredible defender, runs the base as well, and that's where the war comes from. That's where the value comes from. I'm not sure how much you're gaining with J.D. Martinez because now you have to DH him every time he plays. He's not a versatile guy in any means. Um, so you're losing Trey Turner. You're losing Tyler Anderson. And you lost Justin Turner. And you lost Justin Turner, who was still a two-war player still last very, year. very, very... Yeah. Uh, and Justin Turner, by the way, the second half of last year... While the power numbers weren't great, yes. home he run numbers, base. he had a really nice, yeah. I think he hit close to 300, yeah. and his on base percentage, that's why I wanted the Orioles to have Yeah, I think he'd sure look a lot better as a DH for the Orioles. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. Do you think that Noah Syndergaard... And that's who they, they picked up. Syndergaard is an interesting wager there on a mm-hmm. one-year deal because a lot of times the Tommy John people, they come back the yeah. first year back... They're not fully strong enough, and the second year you do get a bump. So he might give them something, but they – and again, it's not really a knock at them, yep. but I think San Diego is better, and I think they're better managed I, I by Bob I also just Melvin. wonder how the emotional lift that comes from getting over the hump for the Padres against the Dodgers in the playoffs. Like, they had been – it had just been yeah. such a hammer-and-nail situation, right, that every time there was something meaningful between those two teams, you knew – the Dodgers were going to take three out of four in a weekend right. series. You just knew that they were going to win all of those games. I wonder if that changes. I get it. It was very disappointing for the Padres to do that and then just turn around and get their butts kicked in the NLCS by the Phillies. Yeah. 
But I do wonder if there's something that comes from that for the core of those players that they no longer have to deal with that hanging over them, that yeah. issue of never getting past the, the Dodgers. The most unreal part about the Padres, frankly, is that you missed Fernando Tatis for most of last year. Sure. Um, you're going to miss him for a good bit of this year. 20 and game, the first 20 First game. 20 games, right. so, which is still significant. Yeah. Um, and you had Juan Soto, who really underperformed for 90% of the season. So to me... Uh, you have so many ways you can add value to this team just by adding In- guys back that were right. right internally that were injured. And Hayson Kim is a guy that's going to keep improving. Mm-hmm. This team is. I, I told. I said this to Paul last week. I said this is the most talented team by far in baseball, in my opinion. Well, and on top of the San Diego and on top Bodies. of everything else, they're just going to add again at the deadline anyway. Right. 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 Like yeah. that's just they, they don't care. They yeah. are just going to keep spending until they finally figure out a way to end up winning a World Series. Yeah. If the Dodgers, can. to me, this year seem more intent on getting under that third luxury yeah. level and and getting sort of the free pass going backwards yep. payroll. Uh, I, I think they'll be good. I think they're probably a 90-win team. Oh, yeah. But I don't yeah. think they're a 98-win team. I would, I would and agree And they don't have a, a pure closer no. right now. No, no. I'm trying to remember what you th- shared as your bets in the print issue of Press Because we all shared some baseball bet ideas. I don't remember. And I don't remember which ones were. yours were either. I went, I'm sure they were brilliant. Oh, though. of course they were. <laughs> I, well, I'm telling They I, all hit. I am so befuddled by the the win number for the Orioles this season that Vegas has put out that I which is uh 70 I think I got it I think I got it at like 74 and a half when I got it. I mean it was oh. insane. It was something eh, maybe it was 75 and a half. I'm trying to pull it up right now. It was like eight it they expected Did like you bet eight, it? Did oh, you I absolutely it? put yeah. American dollars. When I was when I was given this assignment <laughs> as opposed to Canadian yes, dollars. When I was given this assignment, I was like I just kept staring at it like Really? That's the number? 74. When when we were doing it, it was like 78 and a half, I think. It was lower was than that number. one. It might not have been 74. It was lower than 78 and a half. I think it it's was... a page before that. No, go keep go. going. I saw pictures of me and KZ. Hang on a second. One more. One more. Where are we? Are? No. There they are. No, that's, that's not it. That's not bets? That's not it. Oh, that's not KZ? That's not it. What are we doing here? I'll find was it. it. It wasn't in the uh, best of issue. No, it was in this issue. Okay. It was definitely in this issue. Because I remember seeing it recently, all these bets. I'm, I'm bringing the show to a screeching halt, and I apologize for that. Just I've because done I don't that remember. a few times in my Yeah, life. it's happened. And it's yeah. always about reading, finding something <laughs> right, in a, in a, in a newspaper. In a, in a, that's exactly the way that it goes. Yeah. When when will your first uh, power rankings be up at PressBox? When I get back from com? Florida. Okay. And you are I'm, headed down in two weeks? I'm heading down Mar- uh, March the 7th to the 15th. Will you try to look at any of the World Baseball Classic while you're down there? Probably not. Just no interest at all? No, I won't say no interest. I just, between catching the Oriole games every day, right. trying to get over to Twin Lakes Park, and having a little fun, uh, you know. I get it. Uh, I, I can probably. All right, and, here we go. And I spend a lot of time late at night. Uh, doing my research. I was six, 76 and a half, by the way. It was I got it 76 and a half, okay. and okay. I bet the over. So what did, I, what did I pick as my You bet? had the Yankees or the Mets to win the World Series, a okay. bonus they had offered at plus 330. Okay. And you had Verlander win Cy Young at plus 700, and the Orioles to make the playoffs at plus 350. I don't mind that one at all. Yeah. Like That's a good number for a team that, again, is right on the cusp. I of, of the three, I like that bet. $100 gets you 350 or 10 gets you 35 I, you know. I like that bet. I went with the Orioles over 76.5 wins, and then just I, – I get it. It's sort of – you're going to roll your eyes. Shohei Otani to win MVP is plus 220. And 
it took for Shohei Otani to not win MVP last mm-hmm. year, it took someone hitting more home runs than anyone in the history of the American League. Right. Mm-hmm. And even then, there was still a debate about it. You get plus money on Shohei Otani to win AL MVP. I don't think it's going to last all that long. I just decided to take a bite on it. So that's the way just it Just those year-long wagers. Yeah, they're tough. And I know, I mean, I'm not laying out 100 to win 350 mm-hmm. six months from now. I need more immediate action. You know? I, it's a very difficult thing to do. You're sitting around waiting for something that yeah, you, I mean, you, know. you feel like you're going to get, but your money is just being held by someone. And, for, and that's why when somebody says, hey, I'm going to Vegas, you want me to bet something in, in previous years. Right. Now I can bet it here. Right. I usually yeah, bet $20 on the Ravens to win for me. Sure, you know, right. Super, you're out there. And it's, you know. Right. You take a flyer. And then it's fun to have the ticket, too. Yeah. That's the other part of it. It's fun. And that's what, again, when something like the Orioles. But the Orioles at 350 to make the playoffs. Yep. That seems like a pretty good wager to me. I agree. I, it's a team that appears to be trending that way. You do all of the math that we have done, and you say you get a full season of Gunnar Henderson, you get a full season of Adley Rutschman, something like a full season of Grayson Rodriguez, whatever we expect that to be. There is absolutely reason to say that should be what makes up the difference. And 30 innings from D.L. Hall. Yeah, sure. You know. There you go. That's You're so down on D.L. Hall. You're so I'm not down well, on I, the talent. I'm down I, on uh, – I, I think they are making a classic uh, mistake with D.L. Hall. It's funny because we have you know Stan on every morning in the bat around. Shameless plug. Um, he's what, do you, on what do you guys have coming up tomorrow? So I, you know, I actually don't know. Uh, okay, that is, that is Paul's department, and I do You'll not be know. talking baseball. Uh, we will be. I'll be on about ten twenty. Stan, yeah, Stan right. will be on ten twenty five uh, for his weekly segment, and this is every, what it sounds like when I plug the bat around on Friday. Is I yeah. say Stan will be on tomorrow, and Stan, they'll be talking baseball for two you, hours. You know, I, I hear I usually hear about the guests on Friday night, there so I will I will find out. Um, but. Usually we have the conversation of D.L. Hall. Uh, we've had it many times. And Paul is very adamant on D.L. Hall becoming a ace. That is Paul's, that is Paul's thoughts and beliefs, and that, that's, that's his. Uh, I think by t- 2029 he might be built up to throw 110 in <laughs> Well, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of in the how's middle. That, how's that guy's 24 years old? He's never thrown more than 95 in Stan I is on the complete other oh, side Stan's, of the argument. And then that, yep. I am in the – you know, and I guess in the belief that you should give him a shot, but there is so and, much. And, and when Stan and I have talked about work it, what to I, do, what I've said is you're probably right. I just think it's very difficult for an organization that has seen him as a top pitching prospect to so drastically commit to the opposite of that, right? Like, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. Now, if enough other guys are clicking, it makes it easier for you to do that, right? If, if, this season yeah. again i just reiterate again n- nobody's expecting a starter today to throw the 280 right. 320 innings that jim palmer used of course to not. throw yes. every year but if you start 30 games a year and you go five innings in those games that's 150 innings he's still 60 innings away from from th- that threshold he's never thrown more than 100 innings in a season when is he going to do that and stay healthy You'd be much better off using him in shorter bursts where he can really dominate. I get it. And again, I'm in the same I made camp. the argument about Arthur Rhodes. Arthur Rhodes made about thirty-eight to fifty million dollars somewhere in there in his career. Sixteen, seventeen years as a relief pitcher. I, it's a good. I, I feel like it is a. It's where what's best for the team is meeting what's best for the franchise, right? Like what's mm-hmm. best for the team. Completely agreed. What's best for the franchise and the value of the player and 
the investment that you've had in him and all and of I those know things. he wants to start. Correct. You have to do a sales job on the guy, uh, not have him kicking and screaming as you pull him into a relief role. It's and the other guy is uh, I feel the same way about and Wells. He, he's it's Tyler Wells. Yep. He's a talented pitcher. There's no question about that. And if he were, if I knew I could get 150, 160 innings, fine. Be a starter. Be a dominant five-inning starter. I, I think he's going to get hurt. Too. I understand. I understand entirely. Yeah. Um, now, look, they've got options this year. That is the one. Yep. They, they are going to have a, a bunch of guys that they can attempt to use as starters to figure out what the correct group is. And I won't be surprised mm-hmm. at all. I, do we? Are you assuming that they're going to go with a six-man rotation to start the season? I think if Rodriguez makes the team, they will most likely go with a six a, a six-man rot uh, not a six-man rotation. I really think Voth then becomes the piggyback, the piggyback yeah. from Grayson. That's, that's pitches, what I think. Yeah, you get three and, innings of Grayson. Yeah, I think I wouldn't even have a problem if the innings were flipped and Voth starts the game sure. and pitches four, and then you get Grayson for three or four, depending upon the workload pitch count um i think that's what's going to happen but if grayson is starting in the rotation i think voth will be the sixth guy okay very good very good all right let's get a tidbit let's get two bit to wrap this part up and then we're going to hear from bruce weber before we get out of here today tidbit is brought to you by oh you know what because we we're talking about it that is you can find those bets and also jeremy khan's bets and Backerts, they're all available right there in the print issue of Pressbox, which you can get for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. And then when you see those bets and you say, boy, I love them, run over to PressboxOnline.com slash offers, sign up today. For example, with DraftKings, bet $5, you get $200 in free bets. Do it right now, but you got to use the link at PressboxOnline.com slash offers. So what do you have for us for tidbit today? I got a tidbit. It, it relies. It, it's going to relate, I should say, not rely, um, on what we talked about earlier in this show. $3 billion annually. Uh, that is an estimate of what it would cost for Amazon Prime or Apple TV Plus to buy up all the MLB regional sports networks to have under one roof. $3 billion annually is the number. All, so is that just the 14 that are owned by Bally? No, or so that's everyone. everyone. That is literally so they everything. Wanted to t- the the, the yeah. scenario that we talked about where baseball just yeah. sort of says, we're going to take everything under one umbrella. Correct. Correct. The problem is that the, the owners of the big market teams will never agree to full revenue sharing. That, yeah. like, that's part of the issue here is that you're never going to get the Steinbrenners. You're never going to get a- any one of the major market owners. I don't know, Steve Cohen's kind of a different dude. Like he just might not care. Steve the same Cohen way. is going against every trend Correct. in baseball. I, I don't at know the what, moment. I don't know what to make of Steve yeah. Cohen at all. But everybody else, there's just no way that you'll get them. Like obviously in the NFL, the reason why teams can be healthy in every market is because the TV yeah. revenue is split, right? But you're just, I, I don't think there's any chance in hell that the top owners in baseball will agree to a full revenue share because that's how there's been such a disparity and they've been able to succeed and right. profit and so much and without having the top guys on board i don't think baseball would ever be able to do that yeah. but that doesn't mean that something like that couldn't happen to your point um zach that I, I think it's still possible they could have somebody try to take everything under their umbrella mm-hmm. and then just still say but we're going to sell local advertising and you will make whatever the local advertising dollar is sold like if they do that i don't think it all that's the difference in the nfl it's all national advertising in those games I still think you'll be allowed to sell local advertising into those games if something like that were to occur. It's all sure. still being think tanked, right? I mean, we're nowhere, we're not close to 
an answer on what happens moving forward. It just feels like this is the moment where it's the first time. Uh, John from Little Rock told me, by the way, the MLS deal. You hang on a second. He gave me the information on what the MLS deal was, and now I've already lost it because everybody's Lamar Jacksoning in my timeline, which is all all we're doing any longer is Lamar Jacksoning on the timeline. But he gave me the details for if you're an MLS fan. It doesn't impact me obviously because I'm not for MLS on Apple TV. You have to pay for the MLS package, so it's there's a very specific. You're an Apple TV subscriber that doesn't just give you the MLS games. You have to pay for you know, an MLS sub-channel, I guess, at that point in order to get them all. So that's the story on that. Is that it? That's it. All that's right. what I got. Excellent. $3 billion is the number. Uh, here's coming up this weekend, Totally Tubular-wise. It's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. As Stan mentioned, CIAA semifinals today and tonight, men's and women's. Uh, all that's on ESPN+. Plus. Tomorrow, the men's championship is at 1 o'clock. And that's only on ESPN+. Plus. The women's championship is at 4 on ESPNU. So if you can't make it to the arena to check it out, you can watch the CIAA tournament. Local hoops this weekend. Tonight, Maryland-Ohio State women at 6 on Big Ten Network. Big one for Navy tomorrow against Colgate. They're the two top teams in the Patriot League. Navy hosts Colgate in the regular season finale at 4 o'clock. That's on CBS Sports Network. Of course, Maryland on Sunday against Northwestern at noon on Big Ten Network. Bruce Weber is going to tell us more about that here in a minute. Spring training games get underway. For the Orioles, no TV this weekend, but there will be radio. For what? Bo- There's yeah, no know, TV? Right? You, were, you were screaming about that. Uh, there will be radio broadcast for both the games this weekend. I know Drew Rahm is pitching tomorrow. I don't know if we know anything more about. I think Kramer's going Sunday, I believe. Okay, Dean Kramer going on Sunday. Uh, you can find all that at glennclarkradio.com. And then is he leaving after that to go to, to, go to the World Israel? Baseball Classic? I would guess. Yeah, I would guess. I did see a great story. We tried to reach out to him. I did not know that Adam Lowen was going to participate, I assume, as a pitcher. Is he Team uh, Israel? No, he's Canada. Canada. That's where he's from. Canada. Um, I assume he's doing it as a pitcher because that was the last thing we saw him do. Adam Lowen's story is so unbelievable, right? I know that there are people in Baltimore that think negatively about Adam Lowen because he was so hyped and he just never lived up to that hype. I was just pissed that when when he got healthy enough to play again, he signed with Toronto rather than the yeah, Orioles. Given it, it sunk a lot of money in him. It felt like there was some negative connotation between the Orioles telling him he couldn't be a hitter. Right. And that there was just no... Okay, that might, it might was, make It sense. was difficult to repair. I remember talking to him when he debuted in Toronto. He called in one time. And I remember there being an allusion to... I, I wanted He wanted to do the Shohei Otani thing. Like He wanted to try to be a two-way player coming up to the minors. And the Orioles said, no way, no how not happening you can only pitch uh but of course adam lowen ultimately made it to the to the bigs again with the blue jays as a hitter and then converted back to a pitcher again and got back to the bigs with the phillies a few years later it's mm-hmm. just a it's a wild cool story it's an unbelievable story um but he at near uh, nearly 40 i guess he's 39 at this point is going to play for team canada very cool in the world baseball classic which is a neat thing um, look, everything else, just go to glennclarkradio.com. It's all there for the Totally Tubular this weekend. Um, hang on. Griffin told me there isn't. Uh, Woody Harrelson is hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. Oh. Always on board with that. Yes, yeah. always on board new, with the idea. New season of Outer Banks on Netflix. Oh, yes. The young people are very much into <laughs> the, the young people care deeply yeah. about Outer Banks. Oh, I won't and, be uh, And Cocaine Bear is in theaters this oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, right? you're right. You're right. I That's will. a great plot. Stan? 
Well, apparently, I have to watch this watch movie. That. I have to watch this movie. Someone, I, I don't know if this is true, but someone said it was based on a real story. It's based story. on a true story. Wow. I don't know how much of the movie is the actual retelling of the story, but there is a there is a true story involving a bear it, and Justin. You got to feel like the film industry is just running out of ideas. Is that at this point? Is, no, by the way, this is a great idea. You're wrong. <laughs> by the way, was that Ray, Ray Liotta's last film? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's hang on a second. That's a great question, Stan. I don't know the answer to that. I'll check on that. I, I um, have a feeling he snuck another one in. But uh, Isaiah Whitlock is in it, of course, who was uh, Senator Clay Davis on The Wire, okay. uh, famous for she. Like that's that's him. He's in Cocaine Bear as well. You guys can make fun of me all you want. I'm watching Cocaine Bear. I won't. I, Glenn, I, you can I have a great I won't time. go. I won't go to the movie theater to see it this weekend. Although I'd like to. I'd love if somebody was up for it. Man, if that Disney better, World trip didn't happen, you'd have the yeah. I would have the funds <laughs> to be able to go to the you movie. Know, I theater. wonder if that movie will cause a a sort of a an uptick an in bears no, using cocaine. No, <laughs> an excuse why you would carry around a lot of cocaine. Like while you're out in the woods, okay, you know it wouldn't be like I'm drug smuggling, right? Or I'm intending to sell it. It's because I just wanted it's to just have for the bears. A bear yeah, that way yeah. you can neutralize that. I don't think that'll work, Stan. Uh, by the way, no, Ray Liotta apparently did three more movies. Okay, uh, well, beyond they crammed the them in there. Bear before he passed. Yes. Incidentally, last night I was watching the uh, AARP, the uh, sort of the Academy Awards for grown-ups. Okay, for retire, and it it was very entertaining. That movie that's on um, Apple Television, it was actually... As you know, I don't subscribe. It was actually Blackbird. It oh, was I actually okay. It was about a serial killer. It was actually written with Ray Liotta in oh, mind really? for the part. Oh, love Ray Liotta. Absolutely love Ray Liotta. All right, very good. Hey, don't forget, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit. Stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. Stan, you, of course, will be back on Monday with Rick Dempsey. Rick Dempsey and Ross Grimsley and I will chat baseball at 6 o'clock on Monday, 3 o'clock his time out on the left coast. And then on Thursday, Pete Shinnick Towson will be football here. coach. And then I'm in with you next Friday, and then I'm not in the next Friday. Because you'll be down in Florida. I get That's, it. That is correct, sir. At Stan the Fan on Twitter, and he'll be on the bat around tomorrow morning with Paul and Zach, 10 to noon. Make sure you tune in Talking Baseball with the guys. Zach, you're on Twitter. At ZGoodman20. At ZGoodman20. Give him a follow there. Thanks today to uh, Tom Crean. Thanks to Paul Cantabene. And you're about to hear from Bruce Weber. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits a little bit later on today. Monday, I have no idea what's on the docket. Uh, Griffin will be back, and normally he would tell me, but I don't I don't know off the top of my head. But Does he have a new job on Fridays? No, he... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you off the air. I'll tell okay. you off the air. It's nothing. Not, everything's good. Everything's good. Just uh, want to take a day off, and I understand why. Um, so thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners. Thanks to everybody at PressBox. Thanks to the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Ace Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialists, Birdland Sports. Get your T-shirt. Already had at least a couple of people email me, but keep emailing me throughout the day. As to what, what, what is, I eat what every What is the Friday delicious morning. treat that Stan likes to enjoy on Friday mornings before the show? Someone who has the correct answer is going to win a free T-shirt from BirdlandSports.com. Your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin, as always, at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go local hoops and local lacrosse teams. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show previewing Maryland Northwestern with Bruce Weber.
Well, coming up this Sunday, huge game between Maryland and Northwestern in College Park. Joining us now, Big Ten Network analyst. We saw him in studio Wednesday night as Maryland was taking on Minnesota. He is the coach, Coach Bruce Weber, back with us on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. You definitely, before the season began, I know you said Maryland-Northwestern here coming up at the end of February was going to be one of the biggest games all year in the conference, right? No doubt. I got that crystal ball, and I, I could see it coming. Yeah. So, But, you know, it, it is funny. I, when I At Coach Willard, at Media Day, when we were in Minneapolis, he was really, really positive uh, about his guys, and you could tell there was a level of confidence with the players. And it, it's, it's interesting, and I went back to the table because, you know, you go around and you talk, and I went back to the table, and I, I said, hey, they – they feel like they're pretty good. And you start looking at the roster and they had older players, which is a big, big ingredient in having success. Getting old and staying old always helps in college basketball now. And, and uh, they've, you know, they've had unbelievable success. He's, he's done a, a great job with them. Obviously their home court advantage is, is just amazing. And, and Northwestern, if you really look at it too, it, you've got older guards. And, uh, you know, both coaches have done a great job and uh, a tough loss for Northwestern against the Illini uh, the other night. And, uh, you know, but, you know, it should be a great game and it means a lot for both teams. No, obviously there's a lot at stake, particularly, as you mentioned, after Northwestern lost to Illinois. Like everything behind Purdue right now is utterly wide open uh, headed towards the Big Ten tournament with three games to play. Um, I'll ask you this question, Coach. Who should be Big Ten Coach of the Year at this point? Well, you know, it, it, it's a hard thing to decide, but uh, obviously I'm about winning and, and, you know, Coach Painter winning the league, and, and they weren't picked like the, the team or anything, and, and they're doing it with, uh, you know, with freshman guard. You know, you got to give him some credit, but, you know, there's so many other coaches. Obviously what Chris Collins has done, um, you know, we didn't even really talk about Northwestern at media day, to be honest, because they were, they, they have not been very good and no one expected anything out of them. And, um, you know, he's done an amazing job. Coach Willard, um, you know, has done well. You know, there's so many guys in the league. It's it's really hard to decide. I understand that we are we're partial here, but you're right. And 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 I think the point is that nobody has really separated themselves. And coach, I brought this up a few times recently. I I don't, you know, I, whatever it means. I think that winning the Big Ten tournament would be an unbelievable accomplishment. And I feel like right now, even beyond Purdue. I, I got to think that there's eight teams, I mean, in this league, even the teams that only get the single buy and not the double buy, that are probably going to go into the Big Ten tournament feeling they've got about as good of a chance as anyone of winning the thing. And really, I, what it would do, particularly here at Maryland, where there hasn't been a conference tournament win in 20 years, would be really overwhelming for an early statement for a coach to make for his program. Yeah, there's no doubt, and, and there's there's no doubt on both things. One, that there's so many teams that could win it and get on a little bit of a run. Obviously, to me, at, at least one bye is going to help. There's no doubt. Not having to play, you know, Wednesday would make a big difference. Obviously, the double bye makes a big difference. Um, just in the, you know, I've been through it as a coach. We pl- tried to play four nights, and, 
you get to that fourth night, uh, and it's tough. But it has been done. It was it was it was done last year, I think, by Iowa. You know, had the had the nice run, and um, and then for Coach Willard to get that team, if they would find a way to win a conference champion uh, conference tournament championship, obviously would create a lot of excitement there going into the to the tournament and help him for his future. There's no doubt about that with the excitement of the program. He is Coach Bruce Weber from the Big Ten Network. He's with us here on GCR again, Maryland Northwestern, Sunday at noon on BTN. Um, Coach, there's another sort of thing that's percolating around here, which is a decision that Jameer Young is going to have to make. And, you know, Jameer has been a revelation in coming back to this area after playing at Charlotte, and he's had this magical season and has been the straw that stirs the drink for Maryland. And, you know, he could go on and and probably not going to be the NBA. I know it's nothing's impossible, but it just doesn't look like that's probably the place where he would end up uh, now, although he could maybe start his way on that path in the G League or go overseas. But given NIL at this point, is there an argument for, you know, this Maryland team might have the chance to do something really special a year from now, Maybe it makes sense to come back, make some NIL money, play a fifth year, and and etch yourself further into the history books at Maryland before you go on to whatever your pro career is going to be. I I would totally agree, and we were talking about it in the studio the other night in the back in the green room. There's there's several teams that could bring a lot of guys back, and and you know if if they you don't know what's going in in the locker room, but it sure looks like they enjoy each other, they play well together, and for him. You know, if, if the NBA right now isn't, he's not getting that feedback. Another year of playing high-level basketball, it's going to help him. There's no doubt. And as you bring up, that that's a big factor to NIL money. If it's comparable to what you'd make in the G League, why not do that? Get a master's degree. Uh, give yourself, uh, you know, great connections for your future and. Um, it, it would be a real positive thing for him and obviously the program. I, I think it would be, you know, I, I man, it, it would go a long way into whatever it is that Kevin Willard is going to accomplish here early in his career. I, I guess with that in mind, Coach, again, I, I don't want to get too carried away about this, but I think around here we're thinking if this is the floor, right, if, if this is what Kevin Willard's been able to do with very little recruiting, with with a, a team that's very thin, um, not a very good three-point shooting team, and this is the floor as being extraordinarily competitive in the Big Ten, how carried away should we be getting about what might be possible here at Maryland in the coming years? Well, obviously getting those guys to come back next year will be really important for him because, as I said earlier, get old and stay old if that's possible, and that would give them a nice bridge to that next group and and you don't want to have to you know you got to bring young guys in the program there's no doubt but if you i you just see it around the country if you have to rely on all young players uh it would make it tough and you know a nice run here in the tournament the big 10 tournament into the ncaa tournament um you know getting excitement going maybe it gets the juices going with the players and they they have some kind of little group pack that they're going to come back and make even do more damage so it's been fun to watch their team. I I like some of their other guys. Are start, obviously Reese is making some progress. Hard has really yeah. played well. Yep. Um, you know he's. I, Coach Willard said one time he might be the best player. That was a while back. We we just kind of chuckled in the studio. But now the way he's playing, he is he is showing up as a, as one of the better players. So 
Um, he does a lot for them. So it, it would it would do wonders for for coach uh, to keep some of those guys. If not, if he keeps them all, that would be really special. What is it going to take for them? They got these these three games. The home game, obviously, against Northwestern, which is great news for Maryland because they've been. Really good at home, but we know Northwestern is good. Uh, a road game at Ohio State that we know isn't very good, and then a road game at Penn State. And you know, it's a Maryland team that struggles so much on the road. They, they just look. They just lost to Nebraska, and I know Nebraska's playing much better, but they on the year their only road wins are Minnesota and Louisville. And boy, those teams are very bad, Coach. Um, how does Maryland get the job done? in a road game that might matter a lot. How do they avoid some of the issues they've dealt with when they've played on the road this season? Well, Ohio State played better last night, and, you know, it seems like they have a breaking point in games. And if you can just stay after after them and be consistent, just do what you do. Um, They were able to break Minnesota up there. I think that's going to be a key uh, Penn State is going to be huge because if they keep winning, it's going to be big for them to get in, and, and they, to get a win against Maryland would be would be really really important to them. So um, you know, you just as a coach, you just got to worry about the next one, and that's Northwestern. That's at home. It's not going to be easy, but it, it it should should be a lot of fun to watch here this last for Maryland and the whole Big Ten this last week of the season because. All year, I mean, we just we just laugh in the studio because you just uh, you just don't know what to expect, and every time you think you got it figured out, something changes. So it, no it should be fun for them and the league. Uh, no question about it. A uh, big one on Sunday again, Maryland Northwestern at noon. Coach, when we seeing you next on Big Ten Network? Uh, next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I'll be with the, the our group. We'll all be in the United Center for the Big Ten tournament. So. We're there for the whole duration. We got a marathon, so hopefully we have some great games and it'll be fun to be part of it. Looking forward to that. At Coach Bruce Weber on Twitter is how you follow him. Coach, I told you this before, you bring uh, an amount of joy and amount of fun uh, to the studio this season that we have so greatly appreciated. We like the fact that it seems like you enjoy what you're doing. Uh, that goes a long way, and it is felt through the TV. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Enjoy the rest of the season, all right? Yes, thank you. Thanks for being on. It's been fun, and hopefully we have a great finish.